When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Experience the difference at Woodhouse Buick GMC. From the GMC Acadia to the Buick Encore, we're sure to have a vehicle that fits your lifestyle. Our climate-controlled showroom guarantees a comfortable shopping experience every time you visit. Plus, our commitment to our customers continues well beyond the date of purchase. You will leave our lot feeling comfortable and confident in your new vehicle. Start your car buying journey today, in-store or online at woodhousebuickgmc.com. We are professional grade. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. This is how it's always been. I'm on the outside looking in. Bienvenue à Double Love, le podcast dans lequel on explore le monde bizarre et terrifiant de Sweet Valley High. Je m'appelle Ada Carey. Je m'appelle Karen Moynan. And we're going to France, baby! It's international, hell yes! <laughs> it's a break break! <laughs> Why not? It's springtime everywhere now. Of course, we've, we've had spring since the start of February because we're wildcards like that. <laughs> so uh, anyway. I, I think correct is what you mean to say. True, Obviously, yes. only correct now. Correct and Celtic. Go on, same breed. <laughs> yeah, that's us. <laughs> but yes, it, uh, everywhere is at least acknowledging that it is, um, it is finally spring. Mm, we're all on the same page now. Indeed. So, uh, yeah, and we are heading into... Uh, to foreign climes this week in spring break because the twins are going to France. Oh, and how. <laughs> oh, la, la. <laughs> well, let's dive right in with some taglines and blurbs. Now, there's only, there isn't a cover tagline uh, this time, but there there is a back one, and it is Bon Voyage. So fitting. I love it. Indeed. <laughs> Can you give us the full blurb? Okay. Jessica and Elizabeth Wakefield are nearly bursting with excitement. <gasps> Spring break has arrived and the twins are off to the glamorous south of France. It's the vacation of a lifetime. Elizabeth can't wait to practice her French. She's so boring. But <laughs> Jessica's dying to meet those romantic French boys. Mon Dieu! Ooh. Oh la la! <laughs> the Riviera turns out to be even more beautiful and wondrous than the twins imagined. With its beach clubs, magnificent mansions, and the glittering Mediterranean Sea. <gasps> but while the French woman with whom Jessica and Elizabeth are staying is a welcome hostess, she's a fucking useless hostess. Oh my God, Jesus! <laughs> the worst. <laughs> leaves them there constantly. <laughs> Just like we will get into it. Uh, yes. So apparently, a welcome hostess. Her handsome son Rene is arrogant and rude. Can the twins figure out why Rene seems to despise them, or will he spoil their dream vacation? <gasps> Oh, then we have Share yeah. the Magic of France with Jessica and Elizabeth Wakefield because it's very true to life, you know. Oh, of course, yes. Take off for spring break. Oh, with avec plaisir. <laughs> By the way, 
Uh, I mean, it's pretty obvious why Rene seems to despise them. He makes it very clear pretty much from the beginning. <laughs> that is very true. Also, Jessica's not arsed with finding out why he despises oh, yeah, she her. She, she quite rightly is like, fuck this guy. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> It's only Liz that's bothered with finding out what a deal is. So, well, yeah. they both look very excited on the cover. Can you describe this magnificent image? Possibly, I mean, it's definitely one of the greatest covers of all time. It's Possibly an, the greatest. Do you know, we're going to have to just do a poll for the greatest of all time, or at least greatest so far, because I mean, mm. this one is up there for sure. Like, I oh mean, my God, it, ne- it's, it just, it never gets old. I mean, no. <laughs> So yeah, it's it's the twins uh, in absolutely flying form because we have Jessica, and I think I've described this before already on Instagram as her screaming into the sky, which is just what it looks like. She's just gripping her blazer and just uh, mouth open, head tilted upwards. I don't know what's going on, like, but uh, she is having a great time. <laughs> so she's Christ, wearing quite an outfit and we've seen the actual photo that this is taken from that's it yeah this is a cover where unusually we managed to get uh both like shots both shots of john i will say as as each character so we actually had the real life photo of her in this pose looking demented uh which is amazing it's on our instagram and uh and then liz uh standing beside her also in a shirt like you know, silk shirt had to be. Mm, uh, it's a green one. She can see her lavalier. La- lavalier? I forget mm. how to even pronounce yeah, it. Yeah, me too. <laughs> it's like lavalier. Lavalier. <laughs> it's like you say uh, one la- way and I say another way and then I get confused. Lavalier <laughs> does sound more French. You know what? It does. It's more in keeping uh, <laughs> with, with our theme this week. <laughs> so, uh, Brett's in place. She's got her little fringe, which seems to make an appearance every so often. Um, and she's looking in absolute amazement at. Um, a map of France or like some kind of little guidebook for, as you pointed out earlier, off mic, the entire country of France, even yeah. though they're just in the one place for the, the whole time that they're there. But, um, but you know, I, and I also said this on Instagram before, but it's actually very relatable at the minute to be looking at a map of a foreign country, <laughs> to be screaming at the sky. It's all a massive pandemic vibe, to be honest. So I can't really slag them off too much. <laughs> no, neither can I. There's bits yeah. where I'm like, I couldn't mock you, but to be honest, I'd just be so excited to be out of the country that... <laughs> I can't mock your, uh, you know, quite random enthusiasm. That's it. Yeah, their delight is so relatable for once. It's like, oh, I wish I was there. <laughs> well, I mean, even my patience got a bit uh, strained at the beginning where the description of their journey practically takes place in real time. Oh, my God. It's like two chapters before we even get there. It's like two chapters of a plane ride. Yeah. It's outrageous. Carry on. It, it really is because we begin with them actually on the play on a plane, uh, waving out the window at uh, Steve, uh, Stephen, Ned, and Alice, who they can somehow see from um, from the plane, I guess. And yeah, we learn that they are en route to Cannes for spring break exchange, which seems a very long way to go for just like a week. Yeah, well, it's ten days as, uh, as oh, Liz, Liz keeps true. reminding but... Jess because she keeps saying it's a week. <laughs> Liz keeps yeah. going, it's ten days. <laughs> He was up six thousand miles in two flights. Yikes, it's, a, yikes. it's it's quite a quite a ways to go, all right. Yeah, I know. Especially we could get there in normal times, like two hours. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> anyway, I'll try not to think about that. Um, we learned, by the way, that uh, so they're all going off. Miss Dalton has organised this exchange, so a lot of the people going have are going off to France. Uh, Lila's going to Normandy, which would be like pretty freezing at this time of year 
Oh, I thought she was going to Paris. But yeah. No, they've got a house in Paris and oh, Normandy. That's what it is. Okay, so she got the, she got screwed then and ended up in Normandy instead of Paris. Yeah, <laughs> that's, I that's mean, unfortunate. Like, I guess maybe just it being a bit damp wouldn't be, you know, would be a bit of a novelty to a sweet Valian. Well, that's true. They're not used to rain. Yeah, How will she cope? <laughs> indeed, but I'd prefer to go further south, and you literally can't get any further south than um than can. And the, that's where the twins are headed on their epic, very detailed flight. Like we literally get their in-flight meals and like entertainment choices <laughs> or lack of choices. It is blow by blow for this entire fucking transatlantic flight and it is so unnecessary. <laughs> well, Liz is all excited and Jessica is trying to play it cool. But even she gets a little thrill when she hears her uh, fellow passengers speak French. And... Uh, Liz looks at a photo of the host family. Um, and uh, yes, we, we learn that they're going to stay at the house of Avery Glees. <laughs> and her children, Renee and Fernie. Yeah. Or Fernie. I don't know how. It's, oh. I've never seen this name before. Yeah, same. I was uh, just pronouncing I, it Fernie in my head. Me too. To yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but it seems that uh, Avery is a single mother. There doesn't seem to be a dad in the picture. Like, yeah, in all senses of the word. <laughs> in the literal picture that yes. Elizabeth is looking at, as well as in general. <laughs> that was unintentional. <laughs> but yeah, Liz is quite taken uh, with uh, Renee, who is uh, the son. He's almost 18 and he's tall and fair haired. And uh, as as they describe, he's uh... a... <laughs> I know what you're about to say. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> And like, it doesn't really count as an outfit, but it's too ridiculous to just ignore oh, it. Oh yeah, uh, it has to be mentioned. <laughs> his tightly fitting jeans were unmistakably French. <laughs> it's like steady on Liz. It sounds like she can see something that somehow There's, improves it, his Frenchness. There is so much. I don't know what it could be. I just, yeah, I do. <laughs> I, I don't know what they were trying to do here, but they're implying definition of some kind. Very much definition, but but <laughs> what makes it French? I don't know. Unmistakably. Is it like a beginner? <laughs> We apologize in advance to our French, <laughs> any French oh. listeners, because I mean, this book is, it'll be a lot to say <laughs> right now. Making me wish they'd gone to Ireland, we would have had rich pickings there. Can you imagine? Oh my God. Like I thought Murder, She Wrote was bad when they do <laughs> Killian Court type episodes and everyone's living in the 50s. But oh, can you imagine the twins in Ireland? Oh, I love oh it. <laughs> we really, we missed out on that, on that potential gem. What might have been? Well, we're told, by the way, no wonder... Uh, Liz is checking out Renee's baguette because we're told that this is taking place in the post-Todd but pre-Jeffrey era. Oh, that's right. Yes, as usual, these uh, these books kind of happen slightly outside of the timeline, mm. but always, you know, a little bit in parallel with, with yeah. the main events. So, yeah, so we're kind of, yeah, Jeffrey's not on the scene yet, but Todd has moved away to Vermont. So Liz is actually single. Yes. Um, yeah, so that's that's the, the vibe there. And Jessica thinks that Rene could be a good rebound guy for for Liz. And mm. we get a reminder that Stephen has found happiness with Cara post Trisha. 
So <laughs> Jessica thinks that Liz can find love again too. Oh. Um, so yes, this photo has uh, piqued their interest. By the way, Fernie's face, for contrivance reasons, as we'll discover later on, is hidden in the photo. Which means it's a very weird photo to send to the exchange family a that really Bernie weird is one. going to stay with. Yeah, very true. Yeah, because they're like, yeah, one side is a snapshot. Like, Fernie's head is turned away from the camera. So they know she's a girl with wavy red hair. Hmm. But that's it. And it's like, that that is a weird picture to send. Yeah. That can't be the only photo you have. There must Please, be another one. family. Yeah. So they change at Kennedy Airport. The epic flight continues. Jessica listens to the droids on her Walkman. <laughs> nice little shout out. And uh, when they arrive, they're dazzled by um, by the, the foreign vibe, we're, uh, we're told, of the airport. Uh, that Liz sees a small child dressed like some sort of a Edwardian ghost. Are you saving that for the outfits? I am, yes. He's a kindred spirit in uh, Liz's type of fashion sense. (laughs) (laughs) True. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I I had to check what year this book came out. It was (laughs) 1986. Just to be sure. It was 1986. So the first time I was ever in France was 1988. I'll just tell you in advance children did not dress in this way. (laughs) I I think I would have noticed. So, uh, yeah, they're all staring at the, the. exotic foreigners and um then eventually find the uh the glees family and Renee is handsome yeah so. he's even better looking uh, than his photo uh however he is surly as fuck <laughs> yes <laughs> his small even features were arranged in a sultry pout <laughs> And he he sort of his expression softens as he sees Liz, but only for a split second. Then he scowls at them. Oh, yeah. Avery is uh, friendly enough though. Like she and she can speak English perfectly. Um, so she's like, oh, like introduces herself and and figures out which twin is which. And she's like, oh, and you know, this is my son. And he's very he's just so curt. Like he kind of I think Elizabeth goes to shake his hand and he kind of like draws his hand back, like he's just been bitten oh. or something. And it's just like this guy is just a dick. Yes, he's oh, he's rude from the very beginning. And mm. Avery reveals that her the reason she can speak English so well is because she lived in America for a few years. And um, they, which will become relevant later on, <laughs> and they head out and they're all excited by how, you know, different everything is. And in fairness, I can't blame them at the moment. Oh, yeah, just, no, this was just like, yeah, I'm the same. Come, you know, like when you're in an airport, you're walking out, it's like, oh, it's really warm here. Usually it's just the oh, heat. The just, air what's the novelty feels... for me? <laughs> yeah. Well, that is true. You know, when you come out of an airport and you're hit by a wave of warm air that literally never happens to you oh, in Ireland. Truly never. <laughs> And uh, Liz is impressed by all the tiny European cars. Yeah, I guess that's fair. I mean, cars in America were huge, big boxy yokes in the 80s. That is true. And even in yeah. the 90s, because I remember when I went to my J1 uh, in like, which is a summer student visa for America. Um, and uh, I was really like, are all these cars from the 70s? They were kind of like <laughs> something out of Starsky and Hutch. Just these huge boxy things. <laughs> like the credits of Hill Street Blues. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I guess this is the reverse. Tiny European cars. There you go. Yeah, the other side of it. And um, Renette, Liz tries to talk about, uh, make conversation in French. And Renee sort of shoots her down in perfect English, like an absolute prick. Oh, he's so rude. Yeah. 
and she's really embarrassed and uh, Jess is delighted that Renee speaks English because she thinks it means she won't have to speak in French and then Renee goes off on a on a disdainful rant oh yeah like he he because he's sitting in the front seat so he kind of turns around to like scowl at them and he's like yeah of course I speak English he's like you know what's the matter with you Americans you only have one language and you expect everybody else to only speak that um he's like I can't can't even keep track of how often I've heard some American tourists go into a store or restaurant and start speaking in English they can't even take the trouble to learn to say please or thank you in our tongue so he's just absolutely like reading them for no reason really because they haven't done anything objectionable i mean you know they're wakefield so it's only a matter of time but like <laughs> true but also they were trying to speak french they were making an effort and he's just being so horrible to them for no reason yeah like i mean i it is anglophone people just going into shops and speaking you know in english without even learning how to say do you speak english is a bugbear mind but yeah. i would not say it to somebody for no reason and especially when you when they're literally just trying to speak the yes. language, <laughs> making the effort with being you. obnoxious mm, and, yeah i know you know he's just an absolute tool from the yes. very first like five minutes mm. and Liz is rightly angry because she's literally just shown she's she's not an arrogant anglophone and uh Avery basically tells her son to shut up yeah it's really awkward they end up having kind of a row um in the front of the car all in French yeah and Liz is kind of trying to figure out what's going on and she keeps hearing mon père mon père over and over again um and just, yeah, she, she can't really follow it too well, but just basically Avery is giving Renee shit for, for being such an asshole to the twins. Yes. And uh, she tells them, but Liz doesn't catch all of this because it is all in French. Um, she tells her son to, uh, or she tells Liz that his English is good because of his father, but Fernie can't really speak English. But Liz doesn't really catch why this is the case. She doesn't really get the details. Mm. And... Um, but she obviously knows that it's connected, you know, that Renee clearly has an issue with his pair. He's made it very clear that he has an issue both with Americans and his father. I mm. wonder if those two things are related. Mm. <laughs> I wonder too. Mm. By the way, then Liz sees people coming out of a boulangerie and she feels all excited. So do I. I know we do. It's like we really can't make fun of them for being delighted by stupid things because we are too. Oh my God. The next time if I ever get to go into a French bakery again, I'll be like kissing the floor. And <laughs> I'll be like, oh, oh give me a hold of... Oh no, chocolate. Oh God, just dragging in a bin bag. Just like, fill it with croissants, please. <laughs> and that'll be on my way. <laughs> Baguettes under each arm. I'll be a sight to behold. It'll be amazing. Ah, uh, someday. Well, a few hours later, foolish Jessica wakes up because you went to bed. You never do that, Jessica. Did nobody, did Lila not tell you? The oh, jet lag. Don't not, yeah, not the awake. first. Yeah, you have to power through and try to go to bed at like, you know, a regular-ish hour or yeah, that's it. You're, you're fucked up completely. But I think Liz went to sleep as well because when she wakes up, she then gives out to Liz for uh, for letting her sleep because it is the evening when she wakes up. Yeah. But Liz is like, I've only just woken up too. <laughs> I don't know what's going on either. <laughs> well, she's uh, she recovers from the jet lag, of course, can't affect mere Wakefield. So cause <laughs> somehow they managed to get their sleeping patterns completely sorted by the next day uh, but uh, yeah she's ready to um, <laughs> to dress up in quite an outfit which I <laughs> presume you'll describe at the end 
It will indeed. We had quite a few outfit, uh, I was going to say landmines, but they're more like glitter bombs. Oh, <laughs> they book. certainly are. Well, I don't know if the next referenced outfit counts because Jess looks, they look out at the amazing view and they can see uh, the sea from the house uh, with all the fancy yachts. And Jessica imagines herself relaxing on one of them dressed in can, I, can we say oh, what when we leave it yes no no go for it it's amazing <laughs> she imagines herself dressed in a gold lame bikini which we later find out she actually owns of course she does like I don't know why I was surprised when she actually appears in it <laughs> later because it's like oh, look of course she does she owns numerous wet look fucking bronze effect <laughs> bikinis of course there's a gold lame one in the mix like foxy mama never misses <laughs> <laughs> What a range of swimwear indeed. <laughs> they um they talk about Renee being such a dick, basically, and Liz wants to prove him wrong about his his like unfair assumptions about Americans, but Jessica doesn't give a shit. Yeah, she's right. She's just like, fuck that guy. We don't need to impress him. Yeah. So she goes off to snoop around the house. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I think Avery said to feel free to like give yourselves a tour of the house because she's after fucking off as well. She's <laughs> the worst host. I think she had to work this day, was it? Or she's um, yeah, she's she's a private nurse, I think. And there's like some patient is. of hers is coming home from hospital, so she has to be there. So it's like okay, fair enough for like a day. But um, yeah, so they're on their own, like their first day in. The- <laughs> so they're on their own. Um, so yeah, Jess takes the uh, the invitation to give yourself a tour. It means have a route through everybody's rooms, basically. <laughs> Yeah. So first of all, she finds a phone with an extra earpiece so three people can chat. I don't know what this is. I know. I was the same. Is it like a whole extra like, you know, phone? Um, I've got my, I really, it's been so long since I've used an old school phone <laughs> yeah, that I can't like... remember what you call the handset, like where, you know, you speak and listen. Are there like two yeah. of them? So is it like... You you know you know how there's that like a mouse with an ear on its back. Is it yes. like that but with phones? <laughs> I was thinking of the mouse. <laughs> so Please. it's like a phone a phone with another phone on its back. <laughs> Is that it? <laughs> <laughs> listeners I mean French listeners was this a thing in France because Jessica's never seen it before either so Americans we know this wasn't a commonplace device <laughs> but it certainly wasn't a cross European thing no because I have no idea what this is <laughs> well having seen this object she goes <laughs> into Renee's room Oh, like, yeah, just pokes her head into the room, sees it's somebody's bedroom, like figures quite quickly that it's Renee's. So she's like, oh, what better place to start looking around? Just like, dude, no, get out. I mean, I don't think when Avery said make yourself at home, she meant like go through everyone's bedrooms. Yeah, have a room through Renee's bedside drawer, there'd be grand. She pretty much does. Well, she sees a photo cube. Oh, I remember photo cubes. They've sort of gone out of fashion. Um, so there's a photo of him with his hot pals and there's a photo... Um, that has clearly had a bit ripped off, which she realizes from seeing an arm around somebody else must have been the dad that's been mm-hmm. literally ripped out of the picture. And then she sees another photo and she screams. And why does she scream, Karen? Oh my God. <laughs> She's like, oh my God. Her voice rang out in the stillness. Liz, Elizabeth, you've got to come here. She's like, Liz, you won't believe this. It's like she's being murdered or something. You won't <laughs> believe this. Quick. And Liz comes running into the room and she's like, what's wrong? Uh, and Jess holds out the cube and she's like, look at this picture of Avery, Renee and Fernie taken pretty recently. 
And um, Liz has a look at the picture and gasp escaped her lisps, her lisps, her lips. <laughs> Jess, it's incredible. It's impossible. <laughs> oh, she's it's the, not. She's the spitting image. Another one of Trisha Martin. <laughs> I did not see this coming. Oh man, I had forgotten that that was this book, and it's just, it's a, it's like there's obviously a couple of years between this one and the Ghost of Trisha Martin. Wow. So it's funny. It's funny that we've managed to do these two within like five books of each other because now it's like, wow, there truly are no ideas left either. <laughs> and there, re- I mean, those listeners who wondered was there some sort of terrifying experiment or, you know, um. Us style netherworld happening in Sweet Valley. I mean, this is validating things because this, like, how many lookalikes are we working on at this stage? It's a lot. Truly, the experiment has been, it's like a, a town twinning situation with Can <laughs> and Sweet Valley or something, both running weird experiments. Oh. Uh, this is just ridiculous. <laughs> well, speaking of things that are absolutely preposterous. <laughs> Back in Sweet Valley, Stephen is literally beaming from ear to ear at the sight of Fernie. Oh, God. He's so creepy in this book. So creepy. Like, just, you know, every time he meets someone who looks exactly (laughs) like his dead girlfriend, he just gets so creepy. (laughs) Strangely enough. Well... Yet again, he's like projecting loads of shit onto Fernie, despite the fact she she can't say a word of English. Yeah, Fernie has like little to absolutely zero English. Uh, so they have nothing to say to each other because he can't speak French. So he's literally mm. just grinning at her like a fucking <laughs> goon from across the room and doesn't know what her deal is. Like she's quite, seems like she's quite like bubbly and flirtatious. Or so they keep telling us anyway. And I think she kind of, they figure out that her favorite subject in school is science because she like drew a bunch of beakers and test tubes and stuff on a piece of paper. So Stephen's like, oh my God, Trisha loves science. She wanted to be a scientist. She's just like Trisha, like this again, seriously. <laughs> oh, Stephen, like change the record. By the way, they finally figured out that science was spelled the same way in both French and English. But the way Fernie pronounced it made it sound like a completely different word. You'd think she might have written it down instead of drawing test tubes and beakers. Also, it doesn't sound that different. It really doesn't. Like, if you were trying to figure out what subject it sounds kind of like, you'd oh, still see, land on science. So, what could that possibly be? What could it possibly be? She must mean business studies. Like, <laughs> what are you doing, Stephen? <laughs> well, he's maybe he's just crazed with Trisha obsession because... Um, we're reminded that, you know, he, he'd sort of healed from his his grief. He'd moved on, thanks to Kara. But uh, now that Fernie is there, it is almost as if some part of Trisha, of Trisha was still with him. But there we get quite a description of her. Oh, God. There, yeah, there was no mistaking the striking resemblance between the two of them. The cloud of golden red hair. The round china doll blue eyes. Small, the worst part, though, is the small shapely body. It's like, oh, 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 call the cops. I hate this. Oh, every time. There's so many weird references to bodies in this book. Oh, so many. It's really creepy. <laughs> Um, yeah, he. We're told that he knows he's she's not Trisha, but he feels like he deserves a candy coated fantasy. That is such a weird 
turn of phrase to use here as well. It just, I hate everything about this. It's so gross. He feels a bit guilty about Kara, but not enough. And uh, thinks, well, he said he'd show uh, Fernie around Sweet Valley. And Stephen Wakefield was a man of his word. Yeah, just not when it comes to his actual fucking girlfriend. Like, no, <laughs> like any sort of commitment. And then he suggests they go to the beach. Um, but wait, you think he'd get some sort of French phrase book or learn, like at least try, instead of just speaking English to her and hoping she'll miraculously understand. Like, can you imagine how much Renee would hate Stephen? <laughs> oh my God. Well, fairness, he'd be right. So, he would. We'd be on the same reasons. page with Renee there. <laughs> And we're told that when he babbles away to her in English, he's drinking in her trim figure. Gross. And she's like 15 or something. Like, they don't... Yeah, I kind of presume she was 16. Yeah. But I don't know. Oh, yeah. Mm. I don't like it, though. I wish he'd just go out with someone his own fucking age for once in his life. Yeah, Jesus. <laughs> Seriously. Instead of constantly just going out. But like, oh, were there no girls in college, Stephen? Like, clearly they just don't want nothing to do with him because they're just like, <laughs> no, he's a creep. He keeps going after 16-year-olds. <laughs> like, they're right, to be honest. They oh, certainly are. Um, by the way, Ferdy's wearing quite an outfit, but are we saving that? Uh, no, I think we can go with this one, actually, because we, we have we have a few in the bank now oh. at this stage. Well, can you tell us what she's wearing or yeah, well, exactly so... how they phrase it? Oh, God, it's so good. Yeah, so while, while Stephen is grossly drinking in her trim figure uh she is described as being swathed in a chic european jumpsuit <laughs> oh formidable mm, i'm just imagining like the eu flag as a jumpsuit <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what makes it a european jumpsuit as opposed to a lynn henry all-american style jumpsuit I truly do not know but uh i wish we had more details <laughs> yeah well, fernie's just giggling inanely and in fairness to her she literally can't understand a word he's saying and he's just babbling on not even trying to like pick up any French or communicate with her properly and they head off to the beach but then Alice emerges yeah Kara's after ringing looking for Stephen mm. and she's like can you can you just come here and chat to Kara before you head out and he's like nah it's fine I'll call her later <laughs> he's so rude oh he's terrible and he knows that Alice and Ned are a bit freaked out by Fernie being a Trisha lookalike but he thinks that they don't appreciate that you know he really is over Trisha's death and he just quote appreciates Fernie's good looks and company can you not like Jesus Ugh. like that still isn't appropriate Stephen so they should be worried about that too yeah they should just be worried about that guy in general <laughs> Well, therapy. I mean, we've said it before and I will doubtless say it again. Who? <laughs> well, back in Cannes, Jessica feels like a prisoner in a gilded cage. Oh no. Yeah, they're all refreshed and good to go now that they've managed to just will their sleep patterns into normal again. Mm. Um, so they're, they've just been sitting around on the lawn for the last half an hour after getting up that morning. I think they had a nice breakfast, but oh. like... Avery's fucking off again, like, working, I guess. Like, come on, dude. Why would you offer to take in these two 16-year-old girls if you're just going to leave them on their own all goddamn day? Yeah, especially when you know your son hates Americans. Yeah, when he's a little piece of shit. Because is it this time? Yeah, he was supposed to, I think, yeah, was it um, 
Liz heard or one of them heard that uh, Avery asking Renee to show the twins around today and to, you know, bring them around to the yeah. different places in Cannes. But as soon as she was gone, Renee just took off on his little moped and he was out of there. He was. And uh, Liz, you know, Liz is happy enough because they did have some pan au chocolat for breakfast. And that just made me think, you know, in France, you could get mini pan au chocolats. <gasps> oh, and yeah. they're so teeny and delicious. Oh, oh. So, yeah, and there's something else to feel jealous of them about. That's the sun. And um, <laughs> so she's quite cheerful. But Jessica is like, well, we don't know what to do. Liz says they can sunbathe. Jessica rightly says they can do that at home, which is true. That's fair. Yeah. Then Liz says that they can go for a jog to work off all the food that they've eaten. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Like, whatever, if you really like running. Uh, also, is it really a good idea to go running in the middle of the day in the south of France? Oh it's my God. Very, very hot. They're asking for sunstroke. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> um, but uh, Jessica's horrified at the at the idea that she has to work to keep her perfect figure. Oh God, so relatable. Yes. Mm. <laughs> Fucking but, she, <laughs> but she gives in. Uh, she does yeah well yeah because Liz is um, oh you couldn't possibly send your dear sister out to jog all by herself what if I meet some devastatingly handsome French boy on the way and, and you're not around to save me from him <laughs> so that does the trick naturally of course but by, by the way why don't they just go okay we'll walk or we'll explore like I know. we'll just check just out for the town walk. yeah go for a little wander around don't go for a jog what are you doing oh what is wrong with them <laughs> It's like people who go on a hotel weekend and go to the gym. It's like, stop it. You're doing it wrong. <laughs> You're meant to be taking advantage of that hotel breakfast. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, they set off and uh, initially, I guess, they're, you know, it's it's interesting to see all the beautiful villas in the area. But after a while, Jessica refuses to go any any further. Yeah, she's like when you're taking a dog for a walk and they sit down and they're like, nope, <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> That's Jessica. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, she lets Liz keep running and she strolls home. Uh, but then something catches her eye. Yeah, so this um, a fancy silver Porsche uh, flies past her <gasps> and uh, screeches into the driveway of a big massive house. So uh, she kind of, she can see that there's like a Rolls Royce in the garage that it pulls into. And she's like, oh, okay. <laughs> so obviously her interest is piqued. Yep. Um, so she sees a guy getting out of the car who's about her age. Uh, but uh, he's very short with frizzy dark hair, uh, a broad mouth and a long, sharp nose. Kind of funny looking, Jessica thought. Oh. With, a set, with a setup like this, maybe he was worth getting to know. Because as we know, she's a mercenary bitch. Oh, unashamed gold digger. Oh, like, yeah, fully. And uh, yeah, she she starts uh, trying to talk to him in her wonky French. And she quite enjoys, you know, she gets that little buzz that you do get when you speak in uh, in another language and somebody understands you, which is mm. and, which is quite sweet. Uh, I can't believe I'm saying anything sweet about Jessica. And <laughs> then he realizes that uh, that she can't speak French really, and she uh, he also says, "It is the accent. You are from the states, no? You look American, tall and blonde." <laughs> <laughs> What? She could be Scandinavian. Like well, what? That's true. Also, the Wakefields aren't that tall. They're like what five, five or five six or something. They're five foot six. Yeah, they're not. Well, I suppose he. Yeah. They do say that he's short, so maybe everybody's tall to him. 
true, but I don't think you think, ah, these majestic, mighty Amazons. Clearly from California. (laughs) Well, uh, he's dazzled by her and introduces himself as Marc Marchelier. And, uh, or Marchelier? Anyway, he's, uh, he's, he's bewitched. And of course, Jessica is delighted because he's clearly rich. And when he mentions that his family are in a special beach club, she wangled an invitation. Of course she does. Yes, she's sure that uh, judging by the house and the cars, that uh, it's probably the most exclusive beach club in Cannes. So she's like, what better place to meet the kind of people she wanted to get to know? Uh, mm-hmm. And it's mostly just so she can rub it in Lila Fowler's face yeah, uh, that she wants to go. So that's her usual motivation, I suppose. So yeah, yeah. she's consistent. She says she'll meet him in an hour. And she arrives home and tells Liz all, who guesses that she's going because Mark's rich. And Jessica admits that he's uh, not a looker. And when Liz is judgmental, Jessica reminds Liz that she herself has not gone out with anybody who wasn't, you know, conventionally attractive, which is true. Very true. Liz has only been out with hot dudes. Yeah. Mm. And Liz tells Jessica to be nice to him. And Jessica's like, I've already made him very happy. (laughs) And then she sets off in the lave bikini. Amazing. (laughs) Poor Mac won't know what's it. (laughs) (laughs) Certainly won't. Well, um, she, Liz, uh, feels sorry for Mark, and, as well as she might. And she takes notes from, she's found a guidebook to Cannes, and she decides to finally explore the city herself. Yes, Liz. Yeah, might as well. But then she hears Avery and Renee come in, and tension arises. Um, yeah, they seem to be, uh, they're on... They're kind of having a row and Avery's giving out to Renee, but then he's kind of, yeah, I think just for being so rude to the and twins. And abandoning them, yeah. yeah. Oh, of course, yeah, because he bailed out that morning when he was supposed to be showing them around. So he's just like, you know how I feel about Americans and you invite them over anyway. Uh, I don't know what you thought you'd prove. Um, yeah, so she she's like pointing out how ridiculous he is and that like people are people. You can't just judge them because they're American. But um, yeah, he's going on about how selfish Americans are. And when she says, you know, you don't care that you've left our guests totally on their own, Renee interrupts and he's like, just like he left us. <laughs> oh, Renee, I mean, again, therapy would help. It certainly wouldn't hurt. That's true. But you know, you are 18. <laughs> Actually, yeah. <laughs> but he's much more interested in dealing in dealing with this uh, through the medium of a big soap opera conversation. So. Of course. Yeah. And uh, then Liz, actually, if Liz can understand all this in French, uh, she's, her French is spectacularly good for somebody who's just been doing it in school for a couple of years. Seriously, the way that she understands and seems to be having these conversations, her French is way better than my French, like, for sure. (laughs) It's way better than my German was when I was in college doing a degree in German. (laughs) (laughs) But of course, she is a Wakefield. Well, that's true. They're amazing Uh, at everything. Yes. And uh, Renee says, look, would you like the Wakefields to treat Fernie the way that you're treating the twins? And that means makes Elizabeth wonder how Fernie is getting on in uh, Sweet Valley as a Trisha lookalike. Another one. I guess it's the first. We didn't well, realise that when Andrea turned up. Yeah, if we're actually going chronologically, she's the first mm. Trisha lookalike. <laughs> of at least two. Who knows yeah. how many? And, Andrea was old news by the time she rolled around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
well, we cut to the casa where Ned and Alice are are just totally freaked out by Stephen. They're actually acting like normal parents in this book. This is like the first time I think that we've seen them having a conversation that's in some way related to parenting mm. and like actually being concerned about their weird kids. <laughs> He's really worried about the way Stephen's behaving because like they can barely talk to each other, him and Fernie, and yet he's just like following her around, sort of drooling over her. That's so true. And uh, there's a great bit where um, Alice uh, says that Fernie seems to like all the attention. She's like, she's so flirtatious when he's around, laughing and flashing him looks out of the corner, those big eyes. <gasps> yes, there's something about her that reminds me a bit of Jessica. And <laughs> <laughs> they say, do know they're two, what their children are like. <laughs> So Ned and Alice are really worried about, you know, has this, will this sort of set Stephen back? You know, he's like, he's, yeah, because he's sort of been getting through he, his grief. He had been making quite good progress and healing and everything, and, you know, with Kara as well, that it helped so much and he'd kind of gotten over things. But yeah, this is seems like a big setback for him. Yes. And they also know and acknowledge that it's really not fair to, to Kara, but Alice said that like she tried to bring that up. Um, see, they were doing some good parenting and Stephen got really defensive and didn't want to talk about Kara. So they don't really know what to do. And it is a very awkward situation for them. True. I think in the end, they just decide to do nothing. <laughs> well, that is the Wakefield parent way. <laughs> and uh, they they decide, they say that they'll just, they just have to be here for Stephen if he decides he's ready to talk. <laughs> and I mean, that's not going to happen, Ned and Alice. Like, Need to have an intervention with that child. Seriously, for many reasons. Well, at least they're sure that that Liz and Jessica are having fun. But uh, are they? Not so much. Oh, God. Yeah, well, uh, Jess is off with With Mark Mark. uh, at the beach club. So that leaves Liz on her own. And uh, Renee has been strong-armed into actually showing her around Cannes this time. But like, it just sounds like absolute misery because he's just like angrily driving around really fast and like pointing out things really gruffly. And it just sounds awful. Like, oh. so he's, he is showing her around, but just doing it in the most dickish way possible to make it as unpleasant as possible. And it's just, she's not having a good time at all. No, though there was a moment when they got into the car and their hands brushed off each other and there was a little moment there. A spark. <laughs> so she hopes they're going to the beach. Um. I mean, I have to say, if I spent all my life at home at the beach, um, a nice sunny, warm beach, I don't know if I'd be that excited about going to another beach. But maybe they're just she's just really into beaches. They do love the beach, I suppose, and they were really excited to see the Mediterranean. So maybe it's just the novelty of different water. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> see, for me, the novelty would be water that wasn't freezing. That wasn't that gonna turn me blue. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, when I was last in the south of France, it was on the on the Atlantic coast, so it wouldn't be as as hot. But they had they used to have a sign up on the beach saying, you know, the temperature outside, just you know, general air temperature, and the temperature in the water. And I remember there was one day where the temperature outside was about twenty six, and in the water it was twenty two. Oh man, it was heaven. Oh, that sounds unreal. <laughs> Wasn't it? Oh, why have you told me that? I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> I just kept thinking of it every time they mentioned going to the beach here. <laughs> and the Mediterranean would be even warmer, surely, than the Atlantic. Oh. It certainly would. <laughs> like a lovely, wavy bath. Oh. Unlike the Irish Sea, which is... <laughs> or the Irish Atlantic, which is Truly. like an just... ice cube. It just tries to kill you when you go into it. <laughs> well, 
that's a that's a bit how Renee thinks because he just says that he never swims, and there's almost a moment of vulnerability there, but it doesn't last long again. Mm. Yeah, there's these little fleeting moments of like him softening slightly with Liz, but then it never lasts and it's kind of gone as soon as it appears. So she's a bit like, God, did I imagine that? Or like, what is going on with this guy? Oh, well, he's uh, he's certainly in full on obnoxious mode when they meet his his friends, uh, Edouard and uh, what's the other friends called? George? Uh, George, George. Yeah, George and Edouard. Yes. And uh, he's just mind-blowingly rude. Like, actually incredibly rude so rude his friends are really embarrassed by him yeah and you kind of feel like i don't know you'd think that he'd be mortified to be carrying on the way he is in front of his friends but like they're the ones who are embarrassed because they're just like when he goes off to the toilet i think at one point they're just like we are so sorry about yeah. him he's not usually like this i don't know what's going on with him <laughs> like he he try they keep trying to talk to to liz and then renee changes would just constantly change the subject and talk in super fast french with loads of slang that she is totally lost and she's getting more and more pissed off and when she tries to join in a chat about you know tennis like international tennis something that they could all hmm. talk to about on the same level he mocks her accent like an absolute dick oh it's it's really horrible and like you know i hate feeling sorry for liz but i really do feel for her here because he's just making things so difficult for her for no reason yeah and when he goes to the blue again as you say they apologize and edouard says well look it doesn't excuse the way he's behaving but you know his dad was american and um they reveal that lise is actually avery's um uh, maiden name yeah so he has some mysterious american father and before she can ask any more about this renee returns and just gets ruder and ruder yeah it just keeps getting worse he just keeps escalating um and being really horrible i think do they go for food yeah. or lunch or something at one point and he kind of calls the waiter back and goes oh bring us a load of ketchup because americans love throwing ketchup all over everything which is a little bit funny but he's so mean like, <laughs> oh he's just, he's so obnoxious. Not... yeah he says yeah. i guess it's because their own food is so bad they'd rather not taste it and renee and george are just like they say, Renee, cut it out. Yeah. And he says, you decided to teach me how to behave. And Edouard says, it seems like someone has to. And he's, you'd think that this would be the moment where he's like, oh, okay, maybe this is deeply weird behavior. But no. Yeah, he just won't listen to them. And just, yeah, he just has no shame as well about it. Like, mm. and he's just determined to just be horrible to Liz. Yeah. And on the way, they finally leave because it's so incredibly awkward and he's barely speaking to his friends by the time the, the lunch is over. Mm. And on the way back, he says, those two will stick up for anyone with a pretty face. They won't even bother to find out what you're like first. And Liz rightly says, have you bothered to find out? So. Yeah, yeah. she has him there because he's silent uh, in response. And it's like, yeah, because you fucking haven't. All he's yeah. done is give her shit, like, from the second she came off the plane. Well, when they get home, she doesn't bother saying another word for him. She gets her diary and she heads off for a walk. And it sounds very pleasant. Oh, super idyllic. Um, yeah, she finds, like, an olive orchard. Um, like, these, like, rows and rows of, like, silver-barked trees on a mountainside and low stone walls. It sounds like an oh, ad for something. Like really does. Amazing. So she, like, lies down, writes in her diary, kind of falls asleep a little bit. I have to say, the whole time I was expecting someone to come along and be like, uh, get the fuck out of my orchard. Because <laughs> <laughs> she's definitely trespassing. <laughs> well, her reverie is disturbed, <laughs> but not by an olive grove keeper. 
No, it's it's much more gentle than that uh, because it's a little German Shepherd puppy. Oh, he's licking her face. <laughs> he's so cute. <laughs> His name or her name. Is it a he or she? Sure. I think she calls him good boy and all this. But then we find out that the puppy's name is Nikki. Yeah. It's like N-Y-K-K-I. But I, I don't know whether yes. Nikki's a boy or a girl. Well, Nikki has a little uh, name tag and mm. it says that uh, the address is the Villa de... Now, this is a... I, like this doesn't look like a French name. It looks like a German name. German. <laughs> it's a very German sounding name. Yeah, because it's like Villenich or something. But yeah. I don't know how you'd say that in a French accent. So it's very confusing. Because it's it's a it's W I L L E N I C H, which, as you say, in German would be Villenich. And mm. in French, they don't really have W's in French. Not so much. Yeah. So is it Villenich? Villenich? <laughs> I don't know. Like I really don't know how a French person would say this word. So yep. yeah, it makes it kind of jarring every time it turns up. It's like this doesn't sound right. Yeah. Who is this Comtes? Because yeah. as it turns out, spoiler alert, that's who owns the pup. Um, it's uh Nikki. It lives in the mansion of the Comtes <laughs> Villenich. Villenich. Yeah. <laughs> and. Uh, the Comtesse invites her in for wine because she's French. Of course. Yes, why not? Let's all get liquored up. It's going to be great. <laughs> Underage booze in. Finally, bag of cans. <laughs> oh, my God. It took going to Europe for the closest we've got to a bag of cans, which is a glass of wine with an old lady. <laughs> we'll have to take it. <laughs> well, actually, it sounds like a pretty uh, fun time because... Does. They get on like a house on fire, yeah. They do. Uh, the Countess is, is good fun. Like she's uh, she's really uh, funny and pleasant, and she tells Elizabeth about all the best, you know, fun places to go. Like she's um, she's a, a perfect hostess. Hmm. And later, she tells Jessica all about it when she gets back home for dinner. Jessica isn't impressed. She's like hanging out with an L one. <laughs> yeah pretty much but like Liz tries to point out that she's actually like you know really young at heart and she's she's like she is actually a very interesting woman because she's very well traveled and has lived in loads of different places so she's got great stories but Jess is just like yeah and everyone I'm not interested <laughs> <laughs> Jessica claims that she had a great time with Mark and she can't admit that it was really boring and she, they were just hanging around with his parents friends poor Mark oh yeah, poor Mark can't catch a break at all because, yeah, the exclusive beach club is just really boring and dry. So it's just not really what Jess had in mind at all. No, though there was one thing on the beach, aspect of the beach, that's, <laughs> that, that was quite sensational. Oh, my God. Yeah, so she's like, oh, my God, Liz, I've been dying to tell you this all day. Most of the women don't wear bathing suit tops. Can you believe it? You can get just about an all over tan. No strap marks to worry about or anything. And Jessica... <laughs> Got her tits out. <laughs> she did. <laughs> um. Yeah. Which she. Uh, but then she did lie flat in her stomach the whole time. Yeah. Apparently, she had said, uh, "When in Rome, do as the Romans do." She joked to Mark with some embarrassment when she'd finally removed her tiny top. Then she'd immediately uh, made a dive for the beach blanket, <laughs> lying down flat on her stomach. It's like, oh, Jess, you don't have to take it off if you don't want to. It's okay. Because <laughs> it was like Mark was putting any pressure on. <laughs> She just went, fuck it. Sun's out, it's out. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, uh, you know, mentioned earlier being in France in 1988, people did go topless on the beach. Mm. And apparently, they I just know from reading French magazines that, that that's really gone down. And actually, the last few times I've been in France, I absolutely haven't seen it at all. But it, definitely in the 80s, it was... Uh, oh, definitely. 
60s and like 90s, I would have thought that was yeah. a pretty standard thing. But yeah, I actually did wonder while I was reading this. I just can't see it happening now, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. I remember there was an article in either French Elle or French Marie Claire a few years ago that was actually about about the phenomenon of, you know, of going to office on the beach and how mm. it was just a matter, of course, a few decades ago. And now yeah, it really wasn't a big deal like at all. Yeah. So, well, Jessica's clearly... Uh, Bought into the <laughs> the norm of the eighties. She went for it. Yeah, why not? <laughs> and Renee makes a jibe about, uh, you know, us Europeans are more comfortable with our bodies than you Americans. He says haughtily. Mm-hmm. Then Jessica says, "For your information, Renee, I've never had any complaints about my shape." <laughs> See what I mean about there being a lot about people's like shapely figures. That's very true and tight fitting jeans and what that too. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Renee's all annoyed then because he's like, that's not what I meant. But like she fucking has him there because, you know, she's a babe and she's like, fuck you, I'm smoking out. <laughs> <laughs> well, Liz can give as good as she gets with and uh, sort of with Renee's jibes and um, there's a, you know, tension uh, sparks but as then Avery turns up and Renee is putting out a sweet and, you know noble act and Jessica beams at Avery but as soon as her back is turned she scowls at Renee yeah I think she she feels like the fact that even Liz had snapped at him over dinner she's like well he must have been really mean to Liz because it's mm. not usual for her to lose her temper like that um, sure. so she's like right well he must he obviously gave her a good reason to snap at him like that because yeah yes. it's just it's not like her usually Next day, Liz heads heads over to the mansion of the mysteriously named Countess. And who should she meet there? Oh, well, it just so happens that the Countess's handsome grandson is over. <laughs> oh, yes. A, a young man with sandy brown hair, large, wide-set eyes and strong, chiselled features. <laughs> yes, he's tall and well-built, his body a deep tan against his tennis whites. <laughs> His name is Jean-Claude and he has got no English. <laughs> <laughs> no, though even apparently they he has one English phrase, which is so very glad to make your acquaintance, which he says with great difficulty. And uh, even though his father has insisted I learn it for when he and mother entertain foreign diplomats. I mean, don't want to, you know, you're trying Jean-Claude, but really... How is it so difficult for you to say your six-word sentence when you've supposedly learnt it off? For... <laughs> True. If it's your one phrase, you think you'd have it down by now. <laughs> yes, he forms the words with difficulty and labours over each syllable. <laughs> really makes me a lot of it. <laughs> he does, but uh, apparently Elizabeth can speak perfect French. Um, yeah, again, because all their conversations, I kind of had to keep reminding myself that they're meant to be having these conversations in French. And I was like, wow, Liz is really good at French. <laughs> I know. Again, I'm thinking of when I was in college where all our lectures were taught in German. And I for like the first year and a half, I'm sitting there going, what did they say? Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, it's a lot easier to read it than, uh, than speak it and understand it. But Liz managed to watch a whole film on television without subtitles the night before. Oh, for God's sake. Yeah, she's really just taken to it like a duck to water. Uh, yeah, and she's she's impressed by the ads. She says they were easier to follow than the features. Well, that's true. And they came in 15 minutes to half hour blocks before and after the programme in order not to interrupt them. Elizabeth thought this system made a lot of sense. <laughs> this ghostwriter was fed up and rightly so with the 
insane American TV ads. American ads are fucking bananas. Like, it's completely <laughs> ridiculous. It's like, oh, the opening titles and an ad. It's like five minutes of content and an ad. It's like, lads, would you fucking calm down? I know. It's, like, I... it's impossible to watch something on telly over there. Like, I know. It's about the first time you see it, you're like, hang on. Did was this the end of the was this just a trailer like what's happening it's so weird and like there'll be an ad at the end and then they'll show the credits of the show and it's like how does that make sense and how many ads are there well I think the ghostwriter was clearly you know felt the same way as us Mm. and was like I think this is a good system too (laughs) I'm going to Trojan horse a better ad system (laughs) into America via Sweet Valley (laughs) and then figure it out surprisingly this did not work it, no, it was too subtle. <laughs> well, well done to Liz. She can, uh, she managed to follow an entire film in in French at the age of sixteen. Good for her. And she, uh, Jean Claude, has lots of questions about hot tubs and movie stars because he thinks that's <laughs> what everyone in America has. Yeah, it's one of these things where like he he wants to know if everything he's heard about California was true, and it is that kind of thing of like, do you just see famous people everywhere, and does is there a hot tub in every house? Um, but yeah, Liz thinks this is all hilarious, but does uh, does admit that uh, the only person she knows with a hot tub is a girl at school, Lila Fowler, although a boy at school, Bruce Patman, just got a new Swedish sauna out by his. It's <laughs> <laughs> fantastic. Also, she also <laughs> says that she has. She did see famous people in LA when they went out to a hot new club. When did this happen? Because that that must have been between books because we certainly never (laughs) heard any of that because that sounds like some scandalous Sweet Valley action if you ask me. How did 16 year olds get into a hot LA club? Indeed, yeah. Well, apparently she did. Mm. Uh, so yes they uh, they realise that they both have romantic views of each other's native lands though Liz has noticed the distinctive style of the French are you going to save that till the end? Uh, oh no we can go for that <laughs> do you want to share it? sure yes uh, yeah she says that uh, yeah all the girls here wear tight jeans with heels and long bulky sweaters and glittery scarves <laughs> mm. <laughs> maybe I don't know, yeah. I mean, the tight jeans and uh, long bulky sweaters. I mean, I've been living in jumpers for the last two years at this stage. So, I mean, yeah. maybe, she's, maybe she's not completely wrong. The heels yeah. and glittery scarves, I could take her leave, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, neither of us were in France in 1986. So, maybe glittery yeah. scarves were all the rage. Hmm. And uh, Jean-Claude offers to show her around Cannes. And Liz realises that the wily countess has set them up. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why it takes you so long to cop this, because it's it's very obvious. <laughs> the countess is all like, oh, why don't you go? And this like, oh, I came around to see you. She's like, it's grand. Yeah, off you go. Go hang out with my hot grandson. <laughs> well, they head out and we cut to a few hours later uh, when he's dropping her off. They had a, And they had a great day. They did, yeah. And like, he is really handsome. But I think Liz is like, just kind of wants to be friends. He's just not her type. Um, yeah. So she's happy to just be friends with him. But they had a lovely afternoon. They He brought her around to the sites. Uh, they played a bit of Bulls. Lovely. Oh, I miss my... <laughs> oh, I love Bulls. Yeah, Bulls is great crack. But yeah, they noticed a group of older men playing it and Liz started asking him questions about it. So they had a few games of it. She's <gasps> like, oh, that was fun. And uh, they arranged to go play tennis the following day. Yeah. So they, they've just got, you know, they, they're both are enjoying, you know, each other's company. Mm, they've hit it off. Yeah. So she actually has a friend 
Yeah. So and yeah. He suggests um they they go to the beach uh sometime and she says that she still hasn't been there yet. And uh Jean Claude isn't surprised because of Renee. Yeah, because when she says that she hasn't been there yet, he's like, oh, well, I can understand why Renee might not want to take you. Um, and Liz is like, why, why, what's going on? Because <laughs> uh, I suppose anything she's learning about Renee is from, it's all secondhand, like, and from pieces she's trying to overhear or, like, gets from his friends or whatever. So Jean-Claude tells her the sad story that uh, apparently everybody in Cannes knows about, mm. uh, where several summers ago, uh, Renee's friend died. So they were out swimming together and Rene was out in front. He's a really strong swimmer and used to like race um, on like a junior team and was a lifeguard during the summer. So he was ahead of his friend, but the friend got a cramp. Uh, and when he stopped to look behind him, the friend was yelling for help, but he didn't realize until it was too late. So the friend drowned and Jean-Claude couldn't save him. So it is actually really sad. Um, and it's, it's obviously why he just does not go to the beach at all or go swimming or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, since then yeah and Liz feels sorry for him even though she still thinks he's a rude dickhead true I mean yeah that's very true like this is of course a very sad story but it doesn't mean you can just be a prick to people for no reason <laughs> that you don't know like yeah and constantly insult them just because they're American exactly yeah well Jean-Claude says he'll collect her at 12.30 the next day and after he heads off Liz ponders the you know, Renee situation and remembers how devastated she was by Enid's accident in Crash Landing. <laughs> no, we love the continuity. Oh, there's oh, quite God. a bit of continuity in little throwbacks to various books in this one. That's so true. Yeah, it's just gas though when they're when she's like, oh, it was just so terrible when Enid was in the plane crash. And it was like, yeah, but she was fine. She was just <laughs> being an idiot about it. <laughs> well, Liz is glad that Enid is safe and sound now. And then we're told that Enid may be safe, but she's also very worried. And why? Oh, she's worried about Kara Walker uh, because Enid is on the way to like a babysitting job or something. But she um, she walks into Casey's ice cream place and sees Kara sitting on her own, looking like she's been crying um, and just kind of listlessly stirring her ice cream around. And Aww. yeah, she tries to talk to her and Kara's just all like, Oh, Enid, I thought I should eat something. I'm not hungry. And she's just really down and not herself at all. So Enid kind of tries to talk to her and, and see what's going on or just says, look, you know, if you need a friend, like yeah. we're not really friends, but yeah. I'll be here for you. <laughs> <laughs> all your friends are fucked up, so you may as well <laughs> look after each other. Um, yeah, because everybody in town basically has seen Stephen fawning over Fernie. Because oh, they're just all over dick. the place. So fucking rude. Jesus Christ. Uh, just humiliating Kara. Like, it's awful. It's so bad, yeah. And Enid says to Kara, look, you just oh, you just have to remind him that Fernie just represents his memory of Trisha. Like, that, you know, she isn't Trisha. Mm. And Kara is like, oh, there's no point. And Enid has to leave because she was only dropping in to, like, get a treat for her, you know, en route to her babysitting. But she's still worried about Kara. Oh. And uh, that's it for Enid for this book. Mm, we should probably actually take a little break before we keep going and get carried away. <laughs> Just as as Enid has on her way to her babysitting. <laughs> it's a natural pause. <laughs> well, the reason we are taking this pause is to remind you that we are part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. And if you would like to support us and all the other shows on the network, uh, you can sign up to Headstuff Plus. 
Yeah, so if you go to headstuffpodcast.com, you can sign up for as little as five euros a month. Uh, you can decide then to kind of spread your money across up to three shows, or you can just pick one show to support. But whatever way you do it, uh, once you subscribe, you get access to every show's bonus content, which is a really good deal. And we also have our kind of parallel sister series <gasps> going on in the background. So when you sign up, you get access to Pi Beta Alpha. Yes, which means that you will have Sweet Valley Madness in your ears every single week because Pi Beta Alpha comes out the weeks that the uh, that this podcast does not. And in it, we are recapping the Sweet Valley High TV series and we are having a lot of fun doing this. The TV series is book wild. Oh it my is God. such good fun. <laughs> We've got a, a frankly inadequate Mr. Collins. We've we've I, got Bob this, Russo's turned up. Oh, it's so exciting. People keep randomly turning up and we're like, oh my God, it's this guy. He's completely miscast. But like, <laughs> it's such good fun. There's been a montage, I think, in every episode so far. Every single like, one. Todd has a catchphrase. It's tremendous <laughs> crack. <laughs> we've kind of fancy Winston. Oh my God, we totally do. It was <laughs> unexpected, but I'm very happy about it. <laughs> and uh, we are really grateful to all of you who've already signed up. But, you know, if you haven't yet... What are you waiting for? For just five euro a month, wherever you are in the world, um, you can sign up at Headstuff Plus. And as Karen said, you can choose whether you just want to support us or if you have other favorite Headstuff podcasts, um, podcasts, you can spread your donation among all three or among three of them. And when you do, you will get all the bonus episodes, not just us, in your special secret podcast feed. And uh, a podcast that you might enjoy in the stable is Fail Harder. Yeah, so on Fail Harder, Emma Jane Purcell chats to people who are at the top of their game about failure, uh, st- like ranging from like their first memories of it and to how they cope with it now. So I think the third season has just kicked off and she's had brilliant guests like Panty Bliss and our own former guest and friend of the show, uh, Louise O'Neill. Yeah, so if you'd like to hear a little sample, here it is. Hello, I'm Emma Jane from Fail Harder, the podcast that chats to people at the top of their game about failure, from their first memory of failure to how they cope with it now. I have some unbelievable guests on the show like Paul Meskel, James Cavanagh, Georgina Campbell, the list just goes on. And of course, we'd be mad to take failure too seriously, so every week I have 20 questions in front of me numbered at random. Most are straightforward, however, some are a little more unconventional, and in the spirit of failure, my guest can pick the numbers. They might not like the results, but life's not fair and neither is my podcast. And now, back to Sweet Valley. The book form, not the TV form, but if you want to hear our thoughts on the TV version, <laughs> you can sign up to Headstuff Plus and join Pi Beta Alpha. Don't you want to join our sorority? <laughs> it's really cool and inclusive and we don't blackball anybody. <laughs> Absolutely no one. All are welcome. Uh, even we'd even take it a Wakefield. You know, I think we'd have to. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, we are we are very happy that uh, we have been been in touch with none other than Amy Danless, who plays Enid on the show. So you know, if if you want to listen to a show that has been listened to by Enid. It's got Enid's stamp of approval and also uh, not to, to go spilling tea out of uh, school, but she also thought that Winston was the cutest one in the show. So, yeah, there you <laughs> <It's> go. <special. laughs> 
Well, uh, the uh, in the in the fictional uh, print version of Sweet Valley, Liz is getting uh, all excited about having going out on an outing with uh, Jean Claude, and she is very happy that they now both have friends in France. And Jessica can't admit the mark is a dud. <laughs> Jessica is fuming because she's stuck with Mark, whereas Liz is off with the rich, gorgeous grandson of a count and countess, mm. uh, which is obviously someone who's much more her speed. So she's feeling very hard done by at the minute. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, she can't, and she can't admit to Liz that you know that she's just hanging around with a bunch of old people. True. Also, it's. It's so weird, though, that the twins have just both gone off and done their own things like immediately. Why aren't yeah. they together at all? Or like as soon as Jess met up with Mark, why didn't she be like, let's bring Liz and let's yeah. all hang out at the beach club. And like when Liz meets Jean-Claude, why is she not like, let's all go play tennis and hang out and enjoy ourselves? Because this holiday fucking sucks. So far. Oh, my God, <laughs> like, it's terrible. Also, why haven't they just like gone to the city centre of Cannes and explored it? I know it's really it weird. so odd. Like they've arrived, and they've never been to France before. They've never been to Cannes before, and they're spending their time going. Oh, I guess we're gonna have to sit in this garden all day. It's like for fuck's sake, you're sixteen. You can get in a bus. In fact, one of them is uh, spoiler alert about to get in a bus. Like, why aren't they? They're they're so weird. It's weird that they're not hanging out together. I yeah, think, in particular, they're just both going off with strangers every day. Strange it's men. Like, seriously. <laughs> Bring your sister, if not for safety, at least so you'll both enjoy yourselves. Exactly, no, like, oh, I guess you've made a new friend now. Yeah, and it's like, that's your friend and we can't possibly fucking cross the streams. Like, just, <laughs> why not all hang out together? What's wrong with you? Well, Liz is getting ready to, uh, to, to you know, hit the beach with, um, with her new pal, Jess having left to meet Mark, when the phone rings and it's Avery. Yeah, so Avery's in a bit of a bind. She has to pick up uh, medication from the chemist for the patient that she's with, but she can't leave them. So she's looking for Renee, thinking that he can go to the chemist to pick this stuff up for her. But of course, he's after fucking off as usual. Yeah. Who knows um, where he is? So Liz is on her own and kind of volunteers to go do it. But also, I feel like there's so many other people, surely, that Avery could have called to yes. sort out this like work-related errand. Like... Yes, you're a private nurse, but you obviously must work for an agency or something yeah. or you have other nurse friends who you could call and be like, can you go sort this thing out for me and not get like the 16 year old you keep abandoning <laughs> to go we sort do. out this thing for you for work? Like, what are you doing? It's it, it's madness. Like, <laughs> it really is. <laughs> um, so Liz has to go, even though it means getting a long bus track, you know, for it's going to take her about two hours. Yeah. And Liz, of course, is happy to do it. And she decides to, she should be back in time um, for her outing with Jean-Claude, but she leaves a note on the door for him in case she's a few minutes late. Mm. Meanwhile, Jessica is on the fancy old people beach and she is not happy. <laughs> she keeps kind of tossing and turning on her little beach blanket um, <laughs> and she's just really fed up. And Mark keeps asking her if she's okay and she's just... He's just kind of doing her head. And even though he is very sweet, um, she's just had enough mm. um, and just pretends that she has a headache. 
so she's just like I think she's also just fed up as well because she knows that Liz is off with this hot guy yes. uh, playing tennis and water skiing and being all pretty and wholesome together <laughs> so she's like fuck this I want to go home so she yeah fakes like a migraine or something and basically gets Mark to agree to take her home uh, yeah. so poor Mark is all worried about her but she's just being a bitch as usual yeah she's like Ugh, he won't get me the glamorous contacts that I require because <laughs> she was just basically she was using him because she thought she might be her, her entree into the uh glittering high society and now she's just accepted he won't be so um yeah she's had her had her way with him so to speak and she's off and when she gets home what should she see on the door <gasps> why she finds liz's note uh so she realizes that actually she might get to hang out with jean-claude for a little bit before her twin gets back and how handy that's going to be so she's like hmm, i'll get to, to really suss him out and see what he's like if he really is as cool and handsome as all this so she takes down the note thinking yeah there's no reason to leave it up and i do think at this point her intentions are still good yes i agree saying, yeah. look i'll be here to tell to explain that liz has gone on this emergency errand or whatever um so she kind of gets ready to i think she's also figuring she's just going to talk her way into joining them as well on their date or their kind of yeah excursion for the day <laughs> so she gets changed uh into like a she puts on like a short red t-shirt dress um and kind of just gets herself ready to go basically so when there's a knock on the door she is straight down there yes and uh Jean-Claude obviously thinks because he does not know that she has a twin sister he knows she has uh, that Liz has a sister oh understandably right. thinks that she is Elizabeth yeah, because they mentioned earlier that Liz Liz says that she couldn't remember the French for twin. Mm. Uh, so he doesn't realise that Liz has a twin, obviously. <laughs> so he <laughs> thinks that's who he's looking at when she opens the door. And uh, Jessica doesn't uh, contradict him. <laughs> As ever. No, surprise, she doesn't. Surprise. <laughs> she tells herself that Liz wouldn't mind. And they set off. Oh, it's so bad. Like, yeah, she knows that Liz is off doing this other thing and is coming back expecting that he'll be there or at least will have waited for her. But she's just like, nope, I'm just going to steal him for me. Yeah. It's fine. Meanwhile, Liz is somewhere I would love to be. <laughs> Do you know, I thought of you while I was reading this bit. <laughs> she's in a French chemist. <laughs> Your happy place. <laughs> oh, she's, she's looking at the French shampoos, the tanning creams and oils, the boxes of strange looking pills, huh? the soap scented with fancy <laughs> perfumes. I mean, boxes of strange looking pills, you can get some, some like antibiotics over the counter in France. So maybe that's it. Not that mm, exciting. Probably. <laughs> um, but yeah, she's she has been there for half an hour, which I think uh, would be too much for me. <laughs> Even for you. <laughs> yes. There's only so much of the event counter I can look at to see the things that they don't export. Yeah. So she's kind of like, oh God, this is taking ages. And it's a real hot and sunny day, like perfect for water skiing and swimming and all the stuff that they're supposed that she's supposed to be doing, basically, mm. instead of sitting in uh, sitting in the chemist. But um, she eventually gets the stuff. And yeah, I think Avery's directions were actually quite easy to follow. So she manages it. And it does seem like a big ass getting like a 16 year old who's like learning French yeah. to like make her way across town on public transport, pick up this thing and make her way across this other house, like all unfamiliar territory. But yeah. she does it in fairness to her. Yeah, she so does. She sorts, out, uh, she sorts out Avery with the uh, the job that she truly could have called like anybody else. Yes, <laughs> an adult to do. Who yeah. didn't have to trek all the way across town. Exactly, yes. Well, when she heads back, there the bus stops uh, because ahead of them, there's a massive... Uh, accident a car has crashed into a tour bus which blocks the road by the way all the anglophones who are standing around think that this is crazy french bureaucracy that the drivers are waiting for the police to me this seems like 
completely that seems normal. Perfectly standard. Yeah, it's really weird. <laughs> we're like, what is this crazy French bureaucracy? Why are they waiting for the police? It's like, because car just smashed into the side of a tour bus Jesus there was, Christ there was an accident you don't just go fucking pulling shit around and sorting it out yourself until the cops get there like what are you doing well eventually they decide to just mark the site of the accident with some chalk so ridiculous yeah it's okay. it's really weird that they do this and it's really weird that like Liz and some random English tourists are like oh what are these Frenchies like with their paperwork it was like well they're trying to make sure that there's like you know, an official record of this quite serious car crash. I know. It's like just being official and, and efficient with it. Like, what are you doing? Well, eventually the bus sets off and Liz is too late. Uh, well, we know, of course, that uh, Jean-Claude has got off with Jessica. Uh, but she just thinks, oh, shit, I'm so late that he's been and gone. Yeah. But she rings the mansion and leaves an apologetic message. Yeah, the housekeeper picks it up and she just yeah leaves the message saying, uh, maybe he'll call me back that evening and we can make it up and reschedule for tomorrow or something. Yeah. <gasps> Meanwhile, Jessica is heading to a cool beach with a with an in-crowd go. And... Yeah, apparently the exclusive beach clubs are no crack, as she has found out, and that it's the public beaches are the ones that actually are fun to, to hang out at. True. And uh, yeah, he's uh, Jean-Claude is, is confused when she mentions that she has been to another beach because, of course, Liz said that she hasn't been, you know, on a beach yet. And <laughs> then he says, uh, Elizabeth, this is going to sound awfully silly, but if I didn't know better, I might be tempted to think you were a different person today. <laughs> yeah, well, I suppose Jessica's French isn't as good as Liz's as well, so she's struggling a little bit with the conversation and he's just like, what's going on with your French? And she's like, well, you know, I have good days and bad days. It's like, okay, it's not an illness though, it's language. <laughs> oh, and also her French is still pretty impressive. Oh, look, the conversations she seems to be having. It's like, yeah, okay, that's still pretty amazing. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, yes, there's a a little uh, romantic moment when he lets his hand brush up her arm, giving her goosebumps all over. She's drinking him in with her eyes. Everybody's drinking in people in this book. Everybody's absolutely gasping with thirst. (laughs) (laughs) Thirsty indeed. Well, yeah, he's charmed by her for some reason. Meanwhile, miserable Liz is back at the villa and she just sort of throws her bag down on the ground as she sits down. And then Renee comes in and is, as usual, a total dick and accuses her of throwing a temper tantrum. Oh, God. It's like, why wouldn't she? Like, you you just abandoned the people you're supposed to be hosting. So, like, why isn't... Like, of course she's fed up. <laughs> you're yeah. a dick. And then he starts going on about, oh, American girls, you're all the same. Oh, life is meant to be easy for you. And, yeah, you're all so shallow. You're not used to people not fall, bending over backwards for you. And then says... You American girls, you think the sun rises and sets on you alone. That's what they teach you. Oh, we see your movies, get your television shows. I know how you girls think. You get some guys, let some guys stand outside the door so you take your time getting home. So what? Is, like, where is all this coming from, Renee? This is insane. (laughs) It really is. It's very xenophobic of him, in fairness. And she's like, why are you talking to me like this? What the fuck is your problem? Like, yeah. Then she tries to... uh, she sees that he's behaving like a child, not like a young man of nearly 18. His face, his fine-featured face is red with anger. He's literally <laughs> shouting and roaring. 
He's like a toddler. Yeah, <laughs> he really is. So she starts, you know, talking to him kind of like a toddler. And it's like, mm-hmm. I do understand. I know about your father. <gasps> Renee goes pale and grimaces. Yeah, he uh, he goes, don't you ever mention my father again. You couldn't possibly understand the first thing about it. Um, yeah, and he, she, she, um, she, he's like, you don't, you know, you know nothing about what this, you know, what it's like to be abandoned. And she, there's, but then there's a moment where she feels like she's getting through to him, and you know, you think maybe his defenses will break down, but no, he storms off, and he sa- says he needs more than words to uh, to show him that he's wrong about her. She realizes that she just can't win with him. Yeah, she kind of wonders herself, like, why is it so important to her uh, to show him that she wasn't the sort of person he imagined? Mm. Give up, she told herself. This is one battle you're not going to win. And it's like, yeah, why are you this arsed with him? Like, fuck him. He's an (laughs) asshole. Just leave him off and go hang out with your cool friend. Like, Jesus. Why indeed? Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Well... She thinks she can't win and 6,000 miles away, Kara is thinking the same thing because earlier that evening she went to Guido's with Robin and Maria and it did not go well. It was a shit show. Yeah, so she was supposed to uh, go for dinner with her pals and, you know, they were kind of trying to convince her to come out and have a good time and forget about Stephen. Maria's like, show that rat Stephen Wakefield, you can have a perfectly good time without him. Uh, She's like, you're not going to get anywhere moping around at home all the time. Um, so she's like, you know, we want to see you smiling again and enjoying yourself. So they they talk her into coming. But as soon as she walks into um, into Guido's, who does she see all snugly in a booth? Only fucking Stephen and his underage Fernie. <laughs> and they're next to the artificial waterfall. I swear to God, they just love a water feature in Guido's, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> like, you'd be running over and back to the jacks like all <laughs> evening long in that place between fountains and waterfalls. It's just like a fucking jungle in there. Like, would they ever calm down <laughs> with the water? I wonder just the waterfall would into the fountain. I don't know. Or did they forget that there's a fountain already <laughs> and just like, nah, it's a waterfall. Yeah, some sort of water thing. It's weird. Let's let's go with the waterfall. It sounds more dramatic. Because the waterfall does sound dramatic. It's like it cascades down the rear wall. Like it's a proper fucking installation. (laughs) Certainly is. Well, Stephen at least has some fucking shame. Because when he sees Kara, he's uh, quite embarrassed. Yeah, he has the nervous look of someone caught cheating on a test. It's like, or cheating on your girlfriend, like for fuck's sake. So yeah, obviously Kara is just extremely unimpressed, absolutely miserable when she sees this. And Stephen like asks, does she want to join them? And she's just like, oh God. She's like, I do want to join you. You don't know how much I want to, but I don't think there's any room for me here. So she turns and walks out. Yes. And Kara or Maria is running after her, trying to get her to mm. come back. But Kara just runs off. In fact... She runs away crying. Oh, she does. It's a bingo. Yeah. And uh, she thought there were no more tears to cry, but she couldn't have been more wrong. No. And she thinks that this whole exchange program that Ms. Dalton had dreamed of was turning out to be a monumental disaster. And she is not wrong. Mm. Poor Kara. Meanwhile, Jessica is fine dining (laughs) on a mountaintop. She is living her best fancy bitch life. Oh my God sensational he's after taking her off up to the mountains uh they're sitting on an outdoor deck drinking champagne from an <laughs> ice bucket like I'm, I'm kind of enjoying all the underage drinking that's going on yes, here they're actually for... they're properly cutting loose like for once <laughs> making up for lost time definitely <laughs> 
So they share a romantic moment and he calls her Elizabeth as he kisses her. Oh no. Briefly throws her, but not for long. (laughs) Even being called by her sister's name doesn't put her off. (laughs) No. Uh, So she kisses him back and uh, then they're interrupted by the waiter who brings them a steaming tureen of... Now, this is one of those names that I'm never sure if I'm pronouncing it entirely right, but uh, Bouillabaisse? Bouillabaisse? Big fishy soup. I know what it is. (laughs) A big pile of fish. Yes. (laughs) From Marseille, if I remember right. Um, So, yeah, it's full of various uh, creatures of the deep. Mm. Free de <laughs> the clams are probably making her feel right at home. So she's all good. <laughs> oh, that's true. By the way, they call langoustines tiny French lobsters. Oh. You think they call them like big shrimp? <laughs> prawns. I mean, they're prawns. They're giant prawns. Oh, yeah, they are, aren't they? Yeah. yeah. Tiny French lobsters. Interesting. Mm. Well, it's got a nice description. Makes them sound uh, quite adorable, which they are not. And then she says, Wow, the American exclamation was the best way to put it. Somehow, Jean-Claude, who has clearly been divorced from all French pop culture for the previous, like, 30 years, is like, I like these words. Wow. Oh, God. It sounds like it's meaning. Wow. Like... Did you hit your head, Jean-Claude? Are you okay? <laughs> I do not think. Friend, I mean, if you've got any French listeners, please, like, there is French pop music from the 60s that has the word wow in it. Like, there's no way this buffoon doesn't know it. And, uh, yes, she asks, well, how do you say, what do you say in French instead? And he starts listing off lots of words, like, fantastique. <laughs> and Jessica once tries to learn every word because uh, she re- she thinks Elizabeth would be proud of her for brushing up on her French. Mm, she has the decency to feel a tiny bit guilty when she thinks about Elizabeth, though. But, you know, not for long. These, these moments of guilt are only ever fleeting when it comes to Jessica. Oh, very fleeting. And, uh, yeah, she has a great evening. Now, there's the odd tiny little split second of guilt, but uh, it's not enough to stop her from accepting a date with uh, JC for the following mm. day. Yeah, because he rings the house that night and I think Liz kind of assumes that it's Mark and Jessica just kind of lets her think that. Um mm. She's oh, she's just so shitty. <laughs> yes, and she uh, he suggests that he says he'll pick her up the next day, and he says, "Oh, you know, it'd be better if I met you at your grandmother's house because he doesn't want she obviously doesn't want him turning up." Um, and uh, yeah, she thinks that at least she can f- figure out where the countess lives. She's never <laughs> been there. <laughs> she's such a crafty bitch. Yeah. So yeah, when she comes in, Liz tells her that you know she. You know, Jean, she missed uh, Jean Claude earlier on, and then she rang him and left a message, but he didn't call her back, and she feels like she's kind of let down. Yeah, she kind of thought that they were getting along and they were friends, and she just kind of wonders why he's just, you know, not tried to call her or anything, or, or you know, tried to figure out what happened. Um, so she's a bit disappointed, even yep. though they are just friends. But still, it's it's kind Trude. of. It's, it is rude, yeah. yeah. And this is when he rings. And, oh, yeah. um, of course, she leaps over and gets the phone and pretends to be Liz. And mm-hmm. he's understandably confused by the message that Liz left earlier on. Um, and Jessica's like, oh, it must be a misunderstanding. And somehow he just buys this. Yeah, she just blames the housekeeper. It's like, fucking Jessica, yeah. she's the worst. 
<laughs> she really is. Well, she goes into the sitting room where Liz is reading L, and this was obviously before the American version of L launched, because we're told that L is allegedly the French version of Mademoiselle. It's not true. Oh. I mean, it's a totally different magazine. Fair enough. Yeah, that's weird. Actually, I didn't cut that. <laughs> yeah. uh, by the way, I've got a subscription to Fragile. It is at the moment, or at least for the last year, has been the nearest two years has been the la- nearest I've got to being in France. Oh. So <laughs> it's very good. If, you, if anybody out there is would like to practice their French, um, there's a lot to read in Fragile. I'm impressed that Liz could read it, but as we know now, she is uh, entirely fluent after. <laughs> She's a very fast learner. She's and been in France now, for a week. Less than a week. She's amazing. She's perfectly fluent and totally amazing at French. <laughs> well, the next day, the weather is gorgeous and Liz feels all lonely. Oh. She imagines that Todd were there. <laughs> yeah, she reckons that uh, if he'd never moved away, he might have come on the exchange programme with her and they could be sitting at a cafe and strolling around the bay at sunset. So she's... Uh, but then it's like, it wasn't that she really wanted Todd to be there with her. Oh, no. <laughs> it was, it was just, just that she so badly wanted to have somebody, anybody with whom she could share the beauty of this place. Like, oh, all right. Fuck you, Todd. Poor Toddles. <laughs> and he only just gone a wet week. Oh, <laughs> well, she decides to finally go to the city centre or the bus on her own and hang out in cafes writing and just exploring the place. Good for you, Liz. Yeah, fair play to her. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, Jessica arrives at the villa of the Comtesse to be greeted warmly by Jean-Claude. And she's relieved to find that she doesn't have to face the Countess because she's off. At... She's not home. Yeah. So she gets out of that one at least and uh, is just delighted with herself that she's pulling this whole thing off. By the way, the Countess is off at some meeting planning the Cannes Film Festival. Oh. Hey, call my agent. So glitzy. <laughs> well, um... Later, Liz heads uh, heads home and she realises she actually had a really good day. And it actually yeah, sounds pretty she, great. It, yeah, she's quite proud of herself. And like, yeah, fair play to her because that is like 16 is quite young as well to just be like, you know what? I'm just going to go hang out by myself for the day and to enjoy it. It's like, yeah, good for you, Liz. Yeah, she wrote postcards. She explored the docks. She watched the fishermen and all the fancy yachts and had a superb lunch and then uh, chilled on the beach. Sounds pretty mm. good to me, Liz. It really does. And she arrives back at the Gleeses house and then peers into the mailbox. Now, I've never seen a French house with an American style mailbox on the lawn, but maybe some exist. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. I've seen the the sort of the, you know, at the gates, like. Yeah, that's true. But uh, anyway, this is um, a contrivance for Liz to (laughs) be checking the post because she's hoping there might be a letter from her parents, which would arrive very quickly. Um, But uh, there is an airmail letter, but it's not to her. Yeah, she kind of turns it over expecting to see her dad's writing, but it's a letter addressed to Renee and she notices that there's no return address, but it's been postmarked uh, Boston. So she reckons it's probably from his dad and that he'll definitely want to see this. <gasps> well, she thinks <laughs> wrong, of course. <laughs> he is most mistaken. <laughs> um, so she gives him the letter and she just throws it in the bin. Oh, straight away. He doesn't even look at it. He just goes straight into the bin. And she's just like, what? Are you not even going to read it? And uh, Renee is just like, nope. He made enough of a statement by leaving us in the first place. I haven't read one of his letters yet. And I don't intend to. Because apparently the dad has been writing to him like every month. He yeah. sends him a letter. And Renee just never for reads years. them. They all, they all just go straight in the bin. Yeah, for a year. Like that is quite a lot of 
you know, it's it's sustained effort in fairness to the dad. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Renee's just not having it and just bins them every single time and hasn't opened a single one. And Liz thinks, look, you know, writing every month for years sounds like a real attempt to connect mm. with his son. And she doesn't quite put it in so many words, but Renee is all defiant. And she says kind of rightly that he sounds like a little kid. He's not talking like an 18 year old. Yeah, very Which, true. I don't know if this is her place to say, but I mean, it is true. I mean, it is. Yeah, she is. She does have him banged to rights, in fairness. Yeah, it says, you know, it's not you talking, at least not the Renee who's 18. It's the child whose father left him and hurt him so horribly. An adult would read that letter, whether he thought he would like what it said or not. You have to deal with it. You can't turn away forever. I mean, yes, but also, are you really the one to say this to him? Oh, it's gas, yeah, because Renee just has no interest in this at all. And uh, he's like, and you know, what if I don't open it? I suppose you're going to do it for me. And Liz hilariously is like, no, I know you think I'm like that. The kind of person to meddle in other people's business. But that's not true. I wish I could make you understand that. <laughs> like, uh, sorry, Liz, what the fuck is this? We've met you, Elizabeth Whitefield. <laughs> we know what you're like and this ain't it. <laughs> oh my God, there is nothing she loves better than being all up in people's business. But she does sort of get through to him though. He's literally reaching out slowly towards the letter. When it's, who, yeah, she's she's getting there, but yeah, as, who's <laughs> fucking <come> Jessica. <laughs> yeah, Jessica comes in, and the moment is kind of gone uh, when she arrives because, of course, she's in and like doesn't even say hello to Renee, so she's uh, just starts talking really loudly about what a great day she had. Uh, um, so the moment is definitely gone. Yes, and Liz hopes like, okay, maybe she'll just blather on for a second to go off and get changed, mm. but then. Jessica says, you know, oh, it was great swimming in the Mediterranean. And then says, it was better than nice. Of course, Renee here wouldn't understand. I mean, the big, brave guy is so afraid of a little water that he hasn't been near it in years. Isn't that so? She flashed Renee a nasty smile. And Jessica, I'm sorry, Elizabeth is rightly horrified because she told Jessica about Renee seeing his friend drown. Oof. And yeah. Jessica's yeah. using this against him and however bad he is like you don't say that oh like yeah that is really really bad for him and it it is horrifying that she says that to him like and and Liz of course is disgusted that she's using it against him like a fucking weapon so uh yeah she's like okay there's actually no excuse for this at all so Renee obviously is fuming and uh whatever moment or progress Liz thought she had made with him is absolutely in the bin with the letter at this stage especially when Renee says who told you about that and she goes Elizabeth did <laughs> so Renee is furious he throws the letter back in the bin and Jessica is delighted because she thinks she's got a revenge on Renee for being horrible to them and Liz is basically like you are a psychopath yeah truly what is your problem <laughs> well speaking of people who are uh, who have you know ignoring all the social norms let's go back to Stephen <laughs> why not <laughs> So he's introduced Fernie to his friend David, who's a French major in college. And David, understandably, can't understand how the fuck he's been hanging out, given that Fernie literally can't say like a single sentence in English. Yeah, like Fernie literally has about a half dozen words of English and they've somehow been getting by with just that. And I guess a lot of gesturing. I don't know. But like, yeah, considering they've been hanging out 
it sounds like 24 7 it just makes no sense yeah. but yeah so david is uh, on the scene now to actually translate so maybe uh stephen will actually you know learn something about fernie other than the fact that she looks like his dead girlfriend well yes because when david says you know how have you managed to communicate a single thing to each other so far stephen laughed it's been easier than you think it's all in the chemistry between us and, <laughs> and david is like uh Chemistry isn't a language. How do you know what she's really like? <laughs> or she, you, for that matter. And he says, we have our ways. God. Like, I know she wants to be a scientist. Why don't you ask him about her about that? So David starts asking Bernie. But uh, the answer isn't what he was hope- expected, let alone hoped for. Yeah, yeah, this was it. I suppose Stephen got all excited uh, thinking that her favourite subject was science because Trisha wanted to be a scientist, but Trisha had all these like noble aspirations to cure disease and make the world a better place and all this because Trisha's fucking perfect and amazing. Um, So when it turns out that Fernie just likes kind of messing around with colours and watching things change and figuring out stuff under microscopes, she just says it's more fun than sitting at a desk listening to a teacher drone on and on. And then David mentions that Fernie told him about some experiment she did to make a new lipstick colour. Do you want to hear about it? And Stephen's like really disappointed and he's like, oh no, thanks. But like, fuck you, Stephen. Yeah. That sounds really interesting. <laughs> like, good that, for you, Fernie. <laughs> that sounds totally cool. That sounds really impressive. Like, she like made lipstick and a new colour of lipstick in the lab. Like, fucking nice one, Fernie. <laughs> yeah. Drop the collab. Like, let's get it going. <laughs> yeah. I'm now getting team Fernie. Oh, massively so, yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, he's uh, so this is disappointment number one, and um, she uh, he David also tells Stephen that Fernie just wants to hang out with the other French students. I mean, understandably considering she really yeah. can't speak any English to the point I'm wondering like why is she on this exchange? It doesn't sound like she's had a single English class. Like she can't even say. One of the first things you learn in secondary school is like these are the subjects I study in school. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah she just wants to go and eat crepes <laughs> with yes. the other friends Stephen's like what doesn't she want to try something she can't have in France and David's like she likes crepes and it's like yeah dude she's 16 she wants to hang out with other French kids and eat crepes and just enjoy <laughs> herself and not fucking hang around with you you big weirdo exactly and he realises he's just been projecting onto her and then he clutches at straws he remembers that she was reading a play by UNESCO and uh you know, she thinks, oh, she's got some intellectual depth. But <laughs> when David asks her about it, turns out she's just reading it for school. She hates it. Yeah, yeah. Like Stephen keeps like expecting all these girls he's chasing after to be these like deep thinkers, and it's like you keep chasing after sixteen-year-olds, and then you're disappointed when they're acting like sixteen-year-olds. Like this is entirely on you. Yes, it really, really, really is. And it's reality is kind of starting to hit him now because he realises that by, you know, he thought that David serving as interpreter would bring him closer to the real Fernie, and it has, but <laughs> it's not what he thought it would be. Yeah, he's just disappointed that she's, you know, a regular 16-year-old girl who just wants to enjoy herself. So shut up, Stephen. <laughs> Speaking of people who are admitting they're wrong, Avery is apologising to Liz again for her incredibly rude child. <laughs> Maybe stop going to work, Avery, and actually take some time off to look after these fucking kids you've decided to 
just host in your house and just abandon every day. Yeah. And also uh, she admits that she thought American, having Americans in the house would sort of cure him of his American, <laughs> America phobia. But I mean, don't <laughs> use these poor, I mean, I can't even say this about the Wakefields, but don't use these children as like some sort of experiment on your troubled teen. Truly, they are 16 year olds in a foreign country on their own. They're not your fucking immersion therapy for your stupid son. <laughs> like, so lousy. <laughs> Really is. Well, it turns out that she had Gordon, the father, married very young and uh, were madly in love. But when Fernie was very little, um, though, if she was so little that she didn't learn any French, like, what's the age gap? Because Renee must have been still, or, or sorry, she didn't learn any English. Renee must have been also pretty young. It's not like there's a massive age gap between them, or if there is, then Stephen's even worse than oh, we God, thought. God, he's even more suspicious. Um, yeah, I kind of presumed there was only like two or three years between them. But yeah. yeah, if he's if if Renee's only seventeen, yeah, and he's hmm. got fluent English because he yeah. grew up with his English speaking dad. But if his dad left when he was like five, that doesn't really make sense. That really doesn't. You're right. Yeah. It's just okay, I don't know what the hell. Is it meant to be like twelve. Oh Jesus! Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully not. <laughs> well, it turns out that Gordon uh, went off and sort of sowed his wild oats, and he was just you know abandoned his family altogether. And Avery didn't want her kids to have anything to do with him. But then he settled down and he sort of changed his ways, and he was very sincere about wanting a relationship with him again. And um. So Fernie has had a good relationship with him for ages and goes over to visit him um, and his new wife and their uh, baby. But Renee is adamant that he doesn't want anything to do with Gordon. Yeah, there's just no talking him around because I suppose Fernie was, well, they, they say that Fernie was too young to kind of remember how much like upheaval and pain mm. it caused when Gordon bailed. Whereas Renee obviously still holds it against him and is just like, nope, I am never speaking to this guy again. But um, but yeah, I think yeah. But Avery wants him to have a relationship with his dad, but she just can't seem to to get through to him. Yes, she's glad that at least one of her kids is close to their father. And mm. uh, Liz wonders if Fernie, the Trisha lookalike, is causing problems in Sweet Valley. I mean, <laughs> certainly is. Because <laughs> in Sweet Valley, Stephen tells David he now realizes how deluded he was and how uh, uh, Fernie is quote very young. Yeah, I'm starting to get worried about just how young she is. Me too. <laughs> he also is so pompous. Oh, he's such a dick. Yeah, he's like, oh, you know, I figure she'll grow up to be a nice enough person. But right now she's a sort of, you know, silly. Like, yeah, dude, again, because you just seem to refuse to go out with girls your own fucking age. He was like this with Kara as well before yeah. she had massive emotional upheaval in her <laughs> life that kind of forced her to buckle down and be a bit serious. But when she was just being her carefree self, he was like, oh, she's so silly. And it's like, so shallow. seriously, dude, fuck off and date someone in college, will you? In fact, it says, oh, my God, she's he's so gross. He <laughs> says, you know, David. When I first met Kara, she was more like Fernie is now. Women to her own personal pleasures. Fuck off. <laughs> less aware of people around her. Less adult, I guess. Yeah, less adult because she's 16, <laughs> you pervert. <laughs> Go to jail. <laughs> but she's come a long way. Her soul, it's more like Trisha's. Ugh. Even though she might not look like her. Besides, she's got her own beauty. And then he pictures Kara's face and says, God, she's beautiful. He whispered, <laughs> incredibly creepy. And she's a very special person. Oh, God. <laughs> He's gross. And Stephen, uh, or David says, uh, 
Stephen, you've got to tell her that she's the one you really want. And he's like, oh, she'll never speak to me again. I just remembers what she was like in Greedos. And he then, David says, look, you've got to explain how you feel. And Stephen's like, I've got to give it a shot. Oh, God. Like, Carrie deserves so much better. But also, this has now happened twice. So it's like, (laughs) Carrie, at a certain point, you have to cut your losses and get the fuck out of here. Fool me once. (laughs) It just gets to a point where it's like, come on now, Cara, you need to make some decisions here. This is ridiculous. (laughs) If he does this a third time, I am definitely out of here. (laughs) Well, in Cannes, Liz realises that she's halfway through her holiday and it's all got a bit of a shambles. Um, When the doorbell rings and who could it be? Oh, it's Mark. Uh, yeah, he he's calling over to check on Jessica because I suppose, as far as he's concerned, the last time he saw her, she was uh, in bits with a migraine and mm. he had to bring her home. So obviously Jessica just has not contacted him since. Sure. So um, so obviously he thinks that it's Jessica when he opens when she opens the door and he's like, "Oh, are you feeling okay?" And Liz uh, explains that she's the twin and not Jessica. <gasps> and um, yeah, it turns out that he was hoping to ask Jessica to go to an art exhibition with him and he looks so sad that Liz offers to go instead and hmm. uh, Liz also figures that because uh, Jessica's off out today and she had presumed that she was with Mark oh and yeah then she realizes that J- Jessica has obviously just found somebody else to hang out with and has just blown him off completely with with no explanation as is her want so she kind of takes pity on Mark yes but um yeah and she also wonders well if she hasn't been out with Mark who has she been out with hmm, hmm. Um, so they get when she gets, you know, gets ready to go. And as they're leaving, who should turn up but Renee? Aha. Uh-huh. Yeah. Him and Mark kind of know each other, I mm. think, uh, at least to, to chat to a bit. And yeah, Renee is like, oh, hey, Mark. Oh, and Jessica. Why no? It's Elizabeth. And he's got like a real cynical tone to his voice. And uh He's like, oh, all dressed up to steal your sister's boyfriend. And it's kind of gassed that Liz is being accused of stealing yeah, Jessica's no. boyfriend. Oh, the irony. <laughs> if only he knew. Um, but yeah, Liz is like, he's not her boyfriend. And almost kind of rats Jessica out that uh, that Jessica's trying to, to, I don't know. Does she think that Jessica might be out with Jean-Claude or what? what was she Are you, I don't here? know if she even thinks it could be Jean-Claude, but she's... She just knows that Liz is up to something. So she's... Oh, yeah, uh, that she's ditched Mark, basically. Yeah, so she's yeah. Like, yeah, that she's trying to get rid of Mark, I think, was what she was about to say, but she stops herself. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Renee is just very unimpressed, basically, with the, with Liz thinking that she is stealing a boyfriend or yeah. whatever. And Liz thinks that there's no point in even trying to reason with this arsehole, so she heads yeah. off with Mark. Meanwhile... Jessica is having a fantastic time on the Sainte Marguerite. <laughs> she is having a whale of a time. She's Jean-Claude. having a great South of France experience. She actually is. Poor Liz is absolutely getting a raw deal here. <laughs> and Jessica is having the time of her life. They're uh, they're hanging out, having a picnic on this like idyllic island. Uh, there's like springs feeding a large pond. They docked their little boat uh, when they sailed over. There's wild pheasants running around the place and almond trees. And uh, Jean-Claude is like filling her in on all the like local folklore about the um, the island. And it all just sounds lovely. <laughs> yeah. Turns out it's where the man in the iron mask was imprisoned. And uh, 
Jessica is intrigued by all that Jean-Claude related to her. Iron Mask sounded like a character out of some novel about superheroes and villains. If only somebody had written a book called Man in the Iron Mask, <laughs> I was quite famous. I'm sure she would have really enjoyed the uh, Leonardo DiCaprio film had she just hung I, in there a bit longer. <laughs> I was thinking, surely that film, oh wait, no, no. no. <laughs> We're much too early for, uh, for Leo's heyday. <laughs> True, but 10 years too early. Um, but uh, yeah, they're having a romantic moment, but then the weather turns. Uh-oh. Mm. Uh, yeah, so yeah, the skies have turned a bit dark and <gasps> there's uh, clouds kind of getting denser and darker every passing moment. So um, Jean-Claude is like, oh, you know, we should probably get going before the sea, sea starts getting too choppy. <gasps> Meanwhile, back on the mainland, Liz is having fun at the exhibition. Yeah, it's actually quite enjoyable. And also, like, Mark was kind of kidding himself, trying to, thinking that Jessica would have any interest in going to something like this. Oh, God, because yeah. it is it is much more Liz's speed to go to, like, an art opening and, you know, hang out with all these people because she ends up meeting a girl called Veronique who hmm. is the daughter of the painter so Liz kind of chats with him and is having a really good time and is she drinking more wine actually is there like wine this be. afternoon yeah. I'm kind of loving the booziness of this <laughs> making up for lost time yeah they're Truly. elegant men yeah. and women sipped champagne and you know that Liz swiped an old flute there surely <laughs> if she's any good <laughs> so uh, yeah she gets on really well with Veronique and it looks like you know she's made a new pal and of course she when she meets Veronique's dad he praises her excellent taste and discernment oh she's apparently a very perceptive intelligent young woman like oh, fuck uh, off if you say so <laughs> well hard to believe um, so she's had a great time but when she goes home there's no sign of Jess who was meant to be back at about half three yeah, uh, and she knows that obviously Jessica isn't really one for a curfew or turning up when she's supposed to, but it keeps getting later and later and eventually it's like six o'clock and there's still no sign of Jessica. Yeah. Um, but she also sees, you know, the weather has started to turn, it's raining, the wind has started to pick up and she is getting a bit worried yes. at this stage. Yeah. And then Avery, ever the good hostess. Fucking useless this one, I swear to God. <laughs> yeah she wakes and says oh I'm running like there's dinner in the fridge like <laughs> where the fuck are you why did you agree to host these children and then just leave them alone exactly if you have this demanding job fair enough but then don't host the infants <laughs> don't host these idiot children in a foreign country for god's sake <laughs> um so, uh, yeah, Liz uh, tells her there's no sign of Renee uh, or Jessica and she is concerned, but Liz is like, oh, Jessica's always late, which is true. Mm. But by seven o'clock, there's a howling gale and Liz is properly worried at this stage. Yeah, it is getting, it's properly turned nasty out. And I suppose the fact that she's, she's, you know, it's just they're in a foreign country. She doesn't have any way to contact her. And she doesn't even know where she is because she doesn't know who she's gone off with. It's all just kind of starting to to get a bit worrying. Yes. And the, she hears the door open and her hopes rise, but it's just Renee. And he says that his friends saw Jessica with Jean-Claude. Oh, my God. Yeah. And he's all like, oh, don't tell me you're surprised. You stole her friend. She stole yours. That's uh, obviously what you're like, you American girls. He's still on his fucking American girls bus. <laughs> oh, God. Give it a rest, Renee. Um, well, Liz realises that Jessica has been passing herself off as Elizabeth and she's too worried to be angry. Um, I think I could be both. Definitely. Like, she can multitask. You can yeah. be mad at her and also worried. <laughs> so she realises that 
Jessica is probably with old JC now. So she rings the uh, the countess um, mm. to see where she where he is. And the countess is understandably confused because he thought that he was with Elizabeth, who is on the phone. <laughs> But um, yeah, she says that he's gone to this island and Liz asks where would, you know, they be sailing in and out of. And she, the countess says that the closest crossing is the beach at the Pointe de Croisette. And Liz hangs up and tells Rene she needs his help. Yeah. So she explains, look, that they've gone out to this island. Like, what if they're, you know, stranded out there or if... if um their boat is in trouble like she's just like look it's an emergency can you please just take me to this beach yeah and he's like you're not mad at her and he's like well she's yes but this is more important (laughs) and uh reminds him that he should know how dangerous the sea is so that hits home (laughs) she's like the sea can be a pretty powerful enemy Well, he agrees to take her and they gr- she grabs a raincoat and they set off on the moped and then we get another uh, deep dive. Yeah, she kind of freezes before getting on it and they remind us that uh, her cousin Rexy died in the motorbike crash and then that Elizabeth herself had been in a near fatal accident and it's a rule in the uh, the Wakefield family not to travel by motorbike, a rule that even Jessica obeyed apparently. <gasps> Um, but yeah, but then she kind of realizes, look, I need to go find Jessica. And also it's a moped. It's not a motorbike. Like it has more akin to a hairdryer than it does to a motorbike. (laughs) Um, So she's like, all right, fuck it. Throws on the helmet and gets on the bike and they uh, peg it off down to the beach. Yep. Um, So she hopes they won't be too late. And Stephen also hopes he won't be too late to (laughs) apologize to Cara. Uh, On his way, he crosses, we're told, a rickety bridge. Sorry, he, he crosses a rickety bridge over the brook where he and Kara like to picnic. Where are we? <laughs> Does Kara live in some sort of enchanted forest? Seriously, this is apparently the route to her apartment. It's like, yeah. what? Does she live in a tree? Where <laughs> is understand. this apartment building? <laughs> well, he laments the fact that yet again, he fell for a fantasy. <laughs> He just keeps doing that. <laughs> when he arrives at the apartment, Kara's deeply annoying brother is there for no reason. Oh yeah, because Charlie apparently usually lives with the dad. This is such a weird setup as well. Charlie Charlie lives with Kara's dad because of course her parents aren't together anymore and just kind of comes to stay with them um, uh, on holidays. Like it's such a weird situation. But um yeah, Charlie's kind of a pain in the arse. Yeah. Um He's and, this uh, little kid, I guess, but Yeah. And Steve keeps calling him sport, like Ugh. he's fucking Gatsby or something. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> they kind of get rid of Charlie eventually. <laughs> but yeah. um but like Charlie really likes Steve and he's all like happy to see him and stuff. But yeah, they, they eventually fucking get rid of him <laughs> long enough to have a chat. And Steven says, I give you a quarter, will you go play in traffic? And he's like, I guess I know what I'm not wanted. He's like an annoying child in a film who's meant to be he's, funny. He's scrappy dude. That's who he is. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Charlie, get out of here. <laughs> well, once they get rid of him, which they thank fuck they do, um, <laughs> Stephen apologizes to Kara and says he's finally learned the people are individuals. It's like, uh, you needed to learn this. Yeah, but also it doesn't fucking stick either, does it? <laughs> oh, we know what happens when you go hang gliding. <laughs> he also says, I know it sounds trite, it does. <laughs> and he says he will <clears throat> listen to this. 
piece of lying. Uh, he says, um, you're you and I love you for who you are and not for who you're not. I'll never do anything like this again. The fucking neck of this guy. Oh my God. Like however ridiculous it is that this exact thing happens again. The fact that he's just as shitty the next time around is just outrageous. I think he's even worse. Because he the hang gliding. Well, well, there's the hang gliding, and there's also the feeling that he's about to murder Andrea at any given moment. <laughs> so it's just, it only gets worse from here. Take down your hair, Andrea. <laughs> like it this way. It's much better like this. <laughs> Vertigo, indeed. <laughs> um, so Cara doesn't know if he's ready to really, you know, move on from Trisha, and he's like, oh, I swear it is. And then she cries with joy, the absolute sap. Cara, oh, Cara, come on. I know. You're so much better than this. But also, this is only the first time it's happened. <laughs> but then there was because just... no, there was the other time when she was writing him the letters and she thought that it was it was like Trisha's special stationery. Oh, Christ, yeah. And then there was the lookalike. Like, it just keeps happening. Uh, this relationship is doomed. Cara just needs to bail out. For <laughs> Quit sure. while you're ahead, Cara. And you're Seriously. not even ahead at this stage. <laughs> Get out while you're alive. <laughs> Well, they embrace and all is well in their world, but not at the beach. Things are far from well there. The winds have whipped the sea into a frenzy and it's all getting very dramatic over in Cannes. It certainly is. Um, By the way, why don't they call the fucking Coast Guard? Seriously, as my notes literally say. Where are any of the officials here? Like a boat is visibly in distress and it's just like, eh, let's just see what happens. Like I, I, you know, neither of us have been to Cannes, but no. like, I'm pretty sure they have coast guards there. You would imagine they're a pretty regular presence. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, the, they can see the boat. It's struggling to make it to shore. And we're told Renee stood as far back on the beach as he could. Terror in his eyes as he faced his enemy. The sea. <laughs> we meet again at the sea. <laughs> I laughed out loud as his enemy, the sea. <laughs> you again. <laughs> the sea. <laughs> so good. Well, um, the boat is nearly at the shore, so they're hoping that, you know, they're going to make it. But then disaster strikes. Yeah, so a big um, wave kind of comes along and a powerful gust sends them oh, all over the place. But a boom swings around at one point and hits Jessica uh, and it knocks her off the boat. Yes. But then Jean-Claude as well. I think because yes, the boat's also getting tossed around by the waves. So between that mm. and the boom flying around the place, oh. uh, both Jessica and Jean-Claude end up in the water. They do. And Liz is obviously horrified and she's trying to, uh, you know, she's she's screaming um, to Jean-Claude to say that Jessica is on the other side of the boat, but he can't hear her. So there's only one thing to do. She dives right in. She fucking goes in, the lunatic. But also, there doesn't seem to be any fucking help coming. So yeah. I don't know what else she was supposed to do. Exactly. So yeah, she she swims in and tries to to help and, and put her life-saving that she learned at school, apparently, to good use. Um, yeah, but it's it's just, the water is so choppy. It's just really hard. And uh, she's not really managing to to make much progress or to, to get anybody to safety until... Um, What's his face? Renee <gasps> turns up. Yes, she feels someone else at her side, and there he is. He's he's overcome his fear and his <laughs> he's put a 
true stand with his enemy, I guess. Americans at the sea. At the sea. <laughs> he is hating this. His <laughs> two least favorite things. <laughs> Literally combined. <laughs> well, he helps bring Jessica into shore, the fool. She knows the good opportunity to get rid of her I'd have thought <laughs> uh, she wakes up in like two seconds despite having been whacked on the head by a giant bit of a, yacht, a boat oh it's ridiculous um, and uh, Liz notices the adoring looks that she exchanges with old uh, Jean-Claude and Liz realises that they are truly in love yeah apparently there's no mistaking the look on her sister's face and uh, she recognises that apparently Jean-Claude is also in love. And this is absolute bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> and I hate it. <laughs> out of sight, out of mind. I can tell you that much. <laughs> it's so fucking stupid. Because then um, Jean-Claude kind of realises or gets a proper look at Liz and his jaw drops. And he's like, what? What's going on? Does a double take. <gasps> and uh, Jess, like, look, catches Elizabeth's eye. And Elizabeth sees her make a silent plea. It touched her. She hadn't forgotten that Jessica had tricked her in the most devious manner manner but she was so happy her sister was alive she was willing to forgive her almost anything so she steps forward shakes Jean-Claude's hand and says hi I'm Jessica and I was just like fucking kick them all back into the sea because this is (laughs) bullshit (laughs) (laughs) what they deserve oh it was so annoying (laughs) that bitch never gets any consequences for her actions I mean apart from nearly drowning but that didn't take (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or the next time when she got fucking shipwrecked oh yeah <laughs> this isn't even her first rodeo <laughs> <laughs> yeah she's always falling on boats um, well uh, Jean-Claude offers the twins and Renee a lift home but Renee says look he'll be fine on his moped to just get the girls home as quickly as possible so his, his mum can have a look at them uh, because uh, she is a nurse of course uh, don't call the coast guard or any emergency <laughs> services <laughs> It's grand. It's not like she's concussed or anything. Ew, don't get her seen straight away. Just be like, oh, maybe Avery will be home, but now who knows? I mean, she could be anywhere. Yeah. Well, Liz is touched by Renee's, you know, seeming concern and she thanks him and gruffly accepts her thanks. She wonders if maybe they could start over. <gasps> so uh, Jean-Claude drives the twins home and... Seemingly about two minutes later, Jessica is trying on quite an outfit for a dinner date with him. It's literally like a half hour later and yeah. she's bopping off out the door yeah. in a change of clothes to go for dinner. It's like, are you serious? You almost drowned <laughs> literally half an hour ago. And now you're like, no, I'm great. Yeah. It's like you just, you cannot keep a Wakefield down. <laughs> Madness. Um... So, yeah, apparently Avery gave her the all clear and they could just tell she's not concussed. And Man, Avery is not a nurse. There's something <laughs> fucking shady going on here. This woman is very suspicious. She's a smuggler. That's right. <laughs> yes, you're right. <laughs> oh, yes, I'm a, uh, I just need you to get this package from the chemist. Yeah, it's my... a prescription for my patient. Yes, don't ask any questions, Liz. Um, so, uh she um Liz tells her that you know look I called the countess looking for Jean-Claude and so he so he knows or you know he's going to find out that yes I the Elizabeth rang while you were supposed to be off the boat <laughs> and Jessica's like oh, why'd you do that oh you better come up with a cover story for me and for once Liz refuses yeah she's like I mean 
no, first of all, because yes. you've been sneaking around behind my back, like without telling me any of this and uh, she's like look you should have you should have told me how you felt about him and you should have been you know come clean with him immediately as well yes. so she's actually just not having it for once which is quite satisfying and she's like no you sort this out like I was trying to look after you so yeah. you could figure it out and I fuck off oh my god I'm, I'm really glad because it's so rare that she does this mm. and actually just accept it yeah she figures that you know she well, at first she's like, oh, why can't me and Jean-Claude just enjoy each other without complication? It's like, he thinks your name is Elizabeth, first of all. Like, surely that's starting to drive her mad at this stage. But um, yeah, because she's just like, look, okay, fine. I'll, I'll guess I'll have to come clean because I love him after all. I guess so. If you say so. So unconvinced. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess it's the fact that she never mentions him again. <laughs> very true <laughs> so anyway off she goes uh, for her dinner date and later Liz is in her room when who should come in all tousled and flushed after his shower oh it's Renee with his wet hair combed back my goodness <laughs> oh la la indeed <laughs> so there's an awkward moment where neither of them really know what to say but then Liz sincerely thanks him for you know helping save Jessica's life mm. and then Renee has a confession yeah, he, well, he says that, uh, you know, he couldn't, he couldn't let the same thing happen twice. And this is how he, he overcame his fear of, you know, his enemy. Um, <laughs> but he, he also um, admits that uh, the first time he saw her, that he actually, uh, like, felt something for her. And it all just got kind of tangled up in all, like, his anger at his dad and Americans in general. And just kind of apologizes for being such an asshole. Yeah, because um, he just, he knew he couldn't save... Um... Antoine, his friend, and now he realizes that he can still do good. Yeah, it was like kind of, kind of like a do-over, or just mm. kind of like it, it kind of proved to himself that he could do this. Like, and the fact that that he saved Jessica and Jean Claude, it was just like, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of starting to get over this now, and it's, it's not uh, playing on his mind as much. Yeah, and he admits that since his dad left, he, it's more or less he, he he just was defensive about everything in the world and now he can admit he was wrong about lots of things including like all the Americans being terrible <laughs> um, so Liz admits that she rescued that letter from the bin and there's a moment where she thinks oh shit did I go too far like were we just had we reached a nice moment now I've wrecked it but he says that he will read it on one condition oh um yeah, that uh, that she gives him a chance to to make up for being so terrible. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, he's like, if you you know, I'll read it if you promise to spend the day to me tomorrow. I want to make it up to you uh, for being so awful. So yeah, she's like, all right, let's go to the beach. Yeah. <laughs> Immersion therapy. Well, uh, yeah. she she has a morning date with uh, Veronique, the artist's mm. daughter, but they can hang out in the afternoon, and uh, yeah, he suggests he's the beach and dinner, and he says he's even going to swim. <gasps> my goodness and then Liz accepts oh sorry Renee also yeah said that he basically did fancy her yeah and it, yeah it, it did all just get kind of 
messed up with all his anger and stuff. So he was he was very confused, I think, about everything for yes. the last while. But still, it's still not really an excuse to be so fucking awful oh. to her and Jessica from the get-go. Yeah, so spectacularly awful that his friends mm. were apologising for him. Yeah, like they were mortified <laughs> by his carry-on. Well, um, Liz admits then that uh, she will go out with him, but says... You made a confession to me, so it's only fair I'd make one to you. When we first got, when I first got here, I was sort of hoping we could be, ah, uh, good <laughs> friends. She remembered studying his picture on the aeroplane and were told, Renee's handsome face glowed. I don't think it's too late. Yeah, well, like over half your holiday is over, <laughs> so it's not exactly fucking early either, is it? <laughs> You wasted a lot of time, you fools. Seriously. She's had more misery days than she's had good days on this stupid holiday. Oh my God. Yeah, she really has. Well, later that night, Jessica wakes her up to tell her that she came clean to the Countess, who was intrigued and impressed by her scheming. Okay, sure. I have to wonder if Jessica is shit-faced at this point when she stumbles in at whatever time it is with all their wine drinking. Is she just like buzzing off her head and mad for chats? Liz, oh my God, you've never guessed. No, seriously. No, just wake up for a minute. Yeah, this is like coming home and waking up your housemate kind of carry on, isn't it? Sorry, sorry, sorry. I was trying to be quiet. Yeah. Well, um... I do like that Liz says when, you know, when Jessica says that the Countess was impressed by her schemes, Liz says, did you explain you've had years of experience? (laughs) Good point. Very good. And Jessica says, I'll call over and see the Countess tomorrow. Finally, they think they could do something together. Seriously, it took them this fucking long. Yeah. And Liz explains that she has plans, which shocks Jess, who being a sociopath tries to make Liz feel guilty for hanging out (laughs) with other people. It's like she was pretty much abandoned every single day as soon as Jess like hooked up with Jean-Claude. So it's like, what do you expect her to do? (laughs) Just sit around and wait for people to come to her. Ridiculous. So uh, Liz also tells Jessica that she's hanging out with Renee tomorrow. (gasps) Yeah, Jessica's shocked because, of course, as far as she's concerned, he's still a fucking asshole. (laughs) And, you know, he was an asshole. (laughs) But um, yeah, she's like, but he's been such a pain. And Liz's like, well, he did save your life. And she's like... Yeah, but but um, yeah, Liz is just like, look, you know, he is a nice guy. I was wrong about him. You know, we've worked things out and I'll enjoy spending time with mm-hmm. Renee. So then Jessica's all on board when she's like, oh, if something might happen here, then all right, cool. Yeah. And she's like, oh, I remember seeing you looking at that picture of him on the plane. And <laughs> um, instead of giving her like, oh, look, <laughs> and Liz is like, we're just going to let it to, we're just going to get to know each other a little better. That's all. And reminds her, we're only going to be here for a few days. And Jessica says, that's it. A lot can happen between now and then. You'll see, Liz. And Elizabeth has a feeling that those were going to be days that she wasn't likely to forget. Uh, I beg to disagree <laughs> because I don't think we ever hear about any of these fuckers ever again. We, so oh, they're as good as forgotten. <laughs> absolutely will not. And I don't care if this is a Mandy situation. I'm pretty sure it isn't. Oh, I am almost certain, yeah, that this none of this stuff ever comes up again. So her big romance with Jean-Claude is bullshit. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, none of this ever comes back. So it's 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 very forgettable as far as they're concerned. Oh. But on that note, we must end the spring break because that is the end of the book. That's it. Yeah, it actually ends with them still in France, which I thought was a bit unusual. You'd imagine yeah. it would end with them back on the plane or something. But no, there we go. Yeah. We just have to imagine Liz's... <laughs> Them actually enjoying themselves. Yeah. 
After the kind of shit of the first five days. Such a shit holiday. <laughs> no, but it was entertaining to read about. Oh, very much so. Yes, it's gas. These like super editions are so funny. The seasonal ones in particular are just like, there has to be a massive weather event. Someone has to almost <laughs> die at the end. And then it's all fine. And then you can start enjoying yourself. That is true. <laughs> Yeah, like Malibu summer, there was a massive storm and that little young one nearly got swept away on like a broken bridge or something like it's it, it has to end with a near death experience because of wild weather. This is that's, true. Uh, that's how it goes. Hmm. Yeah. Well, do you have any stats <laughs> to go with this spectacular uh, <laughs> tale? Oh, do I? <laughs> <gasps> yes, okay. We'll get the eye colours out of the way first. So the blue-green eyes got three mentions, which is kind of average. Hmm. Um, but then Renee's green eyes got four mentions, which Ooh. is <laughs> even more than the gals. However, the Wakefield blondness was mentioned nine times. Whoa! Which is pretty amazing. <laughs> that is a lot. It really is. These books are not particularly long. That's true. <laughs> but uh, the outfits, my God. Okay, so... Um, let's see when Jessica wakes up uh, after they've like slept like all day long because they did jet lag all wrong she <laughs> she jumps to her feet pulling on a pair of velour jogging pants and a loose man tailored shirt <gasps> which is quite the outfit wow. um, we covered the uh, gold lame bikini then what was the other one? Uh, oh yes, she's uh, when she's heading off for a date uh, at the end with Jean Claude after like being concussed and almost drowning. Um, she bounces back with a purple shirt that she borrows from Liz that she's going to wear with black stirrup pants that <gasps> cling to her body. <laughs> what an outfit! Oh, but there's also dangling rhinestone earrings going on there too. So it's a lot. Wow. Uh, pretty great. And what was the other one then? Oh, yes. Then we've got the ghost boy in the airport. <gasps> it also <laughs> sounds like um, like Prince George or something, like a royal baby, yes! basically. Doesn't he? Very royal baby vibes. Um, so, so Liz <laughs> catches sight of this little boy and she's the only one because this is a ghost. Uh, so he's dressed in blue knee length shorts, complete with crisp white shirt, suspenders, ankle socks and navy oxfords what? he looks just like he just he looks just like one of the pictures of a grade school boy in her textbook for miss dalton's class like absolutely not <laughs> Jenny, i did not see any little french boys dressed like that in the vod day in the in the mid late 80s bizarre carry on but hilarious with it and then there was one more thing which was uh the reappearance of jessica and the number 137 yes because it has been fucking ages (laughs) since we've had this i think they've just kind of phased it out of the main books at this stage um but uh yeah this is when liz is just like kind of you know quite reasonably saying that she can't believe jess is off out on a date after almost drowning and uh, (laughs) jessica's like look i've thanked you 137 times for pulling me out of there but i'm absolutely fine so that was delightful to see the return of 137 i did appreciate that like i had all but forgotten about it at this stage because it's been so long since we've had it so uh Hopefully they'll start peppering it back in there again because I really enjoy that as a weird little Jessica yes, tick. Yes, me to too. <laughs> I, I was uh, pleased to see her return or to see the trope return. Mm. Uh, well, uh, listeners, did you ever go on an exchange trip all the way from the West Coast of America to France? 
It's a, were you then a, promptly abandoned by your host family <laughs> and left to your own devices ridiculously? <laughs> Are you missing French chemists and boulangeries? Oh. <laughs> Are you a French person who can tell us how the hell you pronounce that strangely Germanic uh, aristocratic surname? Yeah, or what's going on with that weird telephone? Oh, yeah, please tell us about the telephone. I don't even want to I'm, try searching. But I'm it's like intrigued about that telephone. Weird yeah. mutant mouse telephone. <laughs> the mouse ear telephone. <laughs> I don't know why that was the only thing that came to I mind. I did as well. I think I imagined like another earpiece so on the back of the handset or something. Yeah, and just that's what came to mind. It's just a mouse ear on its back, like tea or coffee in Grace uh, yes! UK. <laughs> That's exactly. I think that must be why I was thinking of it. That's what yeah. <laughs> Very similar thought process is going on here. I mean, it's the uh, it it is a it's a it's a striking image. I mean, it's interesting that we both connected it to a phone. But... Isn't that gas? Yeah. Um, but yes, uh, do uh, do let us know because we do love hearing from you as ever. Um, and uh, it's it's always a pleasure. Uh, and we we would like to, you know, if you've got thoughts on this or anything else to do with the podcast, you know where you can find us. You can find us at SVH Podcast on Twitter. Yeah, you can send us an email at svhpodcast at gmail.com. And actually, we're on Facebook as well. And usually I hate Facebook. However, Facebook was very good to me <laughs> this week because listener Lauren Ashley Steller, <gasps> just the best. Oh, my God. Thank you so much, Lauren, because she sent uh, us over a bunch of books, like all the way from Kentucky, which is amazing and so kind of her and uh there was also a little Hershey bar bonus in there <gasps> as well which was very exciting oh, so exciting so thank you so much Lauren that was so cool of you so there's some um stickers and badges on its way over to you now which seems quite paltry in comparison to the box of delights that you sent but look oh. we appreciate you all the same <laughs> we absolutely do and uh Listeners, if uh, if you would like to to read something to um to to that's also shares our love of reading absolute nonsense, um, my friend Sarah Hughes, who is an amazing writer, very sadly died this week, and she wrote um not that long ago for the Observer newspaper, she wrote a piece in praise of trashy books and what she had learnt. Um, about life and love from them so I very strongly recommend uh, just googling Sarah Hughes trashy novels observer and reading that both uh, both that as an homage to a wonderful person and a great writer and also uh, as a celebration of reading um, <laughs> extremely fluffy books so doesn't sound like something we'd be into now at all in fairness. no no not at all um so yeah do share um your own trashy faves because you know i had a summer of judith krantz a few years ago and it was very very good fun so uh, let us know if you have any bunk buster favorites <laughs> And of course, you can always support us at Headstuff Plus. It's uh, it's the best way to uh, to 
to keep the, uh, the wind beneath our wings, as we say. And you can do so for as little as five euro a month. So if you would like to support us and get episodes of our bonus podcast, Pi Beta Alpha, you can do so at headstuffpodcasts.com. Yeah, so and thank you so much to everybody who's subscribed so far. We love you guys. And uh, we also know the times are a bit rough at the minute. So like our regular podcast, this one will still be free. That's not going anywhere. No need to worry about that. And uh, we love you all. We really do. And sometimes in the past, um, a few people have asked for, about the possibility of proper merch. Now, nothing has been confirmed, listeners. But merch will be coming. Ooh, we have things in the works yes, yes. Karen's been <laughs> using her design skills to come up with some uh, very impressive artwork just put it like that oh okay <laughs> we're being very secretive yes. but yes things uh, will be coming down the line so keep an eye out for uh, exciting announcements and such yes and of course you can uh, you if you want to see any artwork um, you know that you can check us out on Instagram at SVH podcast where Karen as ever has been <laughs> doing sterling work with graphics with the videos, we've got polls, we've got uh, clips from Pi Beta Alpha, so you can have a little taster before you dive in. Mm, see what you're getting into. <laughs> well, we will see our Pi Beta Alpha members in seven days when uh, we explore what happens when Todd and Liz are almost married. Isn't that an enticing prospect, everybody else? <laughs> Surely. <laughs> but we will see the rest of you in two weeks when we find out what happens <laughs> oh no hang on I've lost the name of the book you knew <laughs> I was like shit where are we again in the main series <laughs> okay hang on uh, keep talking Karen I'm just going to do a quick google <laughs> okay oh I remember what it's called <gasps> but I can't I can't do the, the, the outro as well as you can <laughs> well I'll pause at the right word you can fill it in Gotcha. Okay, let's do it. Oh, hang on. It won't make sense if I can't remember the title. (laughs) This is the sort of professionalism you can expect even more of if you sign (laughs) up. (laughs) Aha! I've got it. It's a Dana book, isn't it? It is. Join us in two weeks, everybody, when (laughs) we find out what will happen to Dana Larson and Aaron Dallas when Liz and Todd make the love bet. Ooh. <laughs> See you then, everybody. Thanks for listening. Au revoir. Ooh. <laughs> A bientôt. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com. Experience the difference at Woodhouse Buick GMC. From the GMC Acadia to the Buick Encore, we're sure to have a vehicle that fits your lifestyle. Our climate-controlled showroom guarantees a comfortable shopping experience every time you visit. Plus, our commitment to our customers continues well beyond the date of purchase. You will leave our lot feeling comfortable and confident in your new vehicle. Start your car buying journey today, in-store or online at woodhousebuickgmc.com. We are professional grade.